fizzing yeah (laughs) those coke commercials at the movie theater are pretty effective aren't they yeah they show it they they've got the fizz they've got the perfect sound for that right they got the sweaty glass or can with the the drops of water watching it is way better than drinking a coke right i mean the perfect uh texture of popcorn along with it they used to do that subliminal right they would they would flash a a little clip to try and get you to go to the concession stand i'm sure they still do they're not supposed to but they but... do it but they do it out in the open yeah right? they're a little it's more like, blatant it's like bam this is uh <laughs> but I'm, I'm certain there's all sort of subliminal and subtle messaging happening at the movies as we've <laughs> we've talked about yeah. in the past and yeah. are going to again today, I think. But welcome back, everybody. Today's January something or other, January 8th, 2024. Uh, my name's Bobby Flood and I'm Jordan Bruno. We're the Mind Virus show, as you know, because here you are. I always kind of think it's funny when I, I, I understand the protocol. Like, hey, I'm so-and-so, and you're so-and-so, and this is the such-and-such show. It's like, yeah, I know. I clicked on you. <laughs> <laughs> but here we are. Again, should, this we is... stop, should we break with protocol and just never say our names again? <laughs> it's kind of like, uh, I think um, radio sports sports broadcasters are especially bad at this. Because, you know, you can't see the game when you're listening on the radio. Right. And so on the, the 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 advantage TV has is that they can flash the screen, they can flash the graphic of the score and the time remaining and the teams playing up on the screen, so the the guy doesn't have to say it as often. Right, the radio guy has to say it at the right time. Right, but he doesn't. They don't ever seem to say it enough because if you are flipping through, yeah, you're you flipping the in, channels, you don't like, know. So like, oh, pass over to Johnson. Johnson. Johnson drives the lane, kicks out to Davis. Davis. Davis loses the ball. It's picked up by Smith. Smith going the other way, and he lays it in. You get t- five minutes of that. And Johnson then, coming back and then the there's other a way. Commercial. It's like, well, who's playing, and what's the score? Right. And then there's a commercial, <laughs> and then, you, then you'll hear him say it right after the break, right? Yeah. Welcome coming back, back from the break. Uh, we have BYU 6 and uh, whoever they're playing, 99. <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, but it's like, say the score. You, you should try to weave it in like after every basket for sure. Right, yeah. Say something like "Cougs up by six or yeah, or actually part- down by uh, ninety three. <laughs> <laughs> Cougs down by ninety three, an insurmountable gap. But you should just quit listening. <laughs> but there are oh, still I quit listening long ago. A few people left in the stands because the coke and popcorn is spot on, flowing. It is flowing. Well, today's episode. What are we in the 160s now? 161. We're going to talk about 
one of our predictions from last week, right? I think we both settled on the idea that, and I can't remember how specific we got. As I'm thinking about it, maybe maybe too emphatic, maybe not emphatic enough from either one of us. But we both were willing to make the prediction that there would be at least a cyber 9/11. I think that's the way we're calling it as we danced around it and mm-hmm. and prognosticated on the subject last week there's going to be a cyber 911 this year if not this year pretty soon but so we we uh I had previously watched and recommended you watch and we talk about or you had recommended we watch and we talk about or something happened <laughs> but I watched it first the movie <laughs> leave the world behind julia roberts ethan hawk uh, produced by the Obamas. Apparently, Barack Obama had some pretty significant input into the script, hence the um, the black protagonist, Mahershala Ali, I, is, I believe, how you say his name. Yeah, it feels um, a little bit of a, bit of a self-insert there. For yeah, he's Obama. a great actor. I think he did a great job. He plays kind of, he's not really the main protagonist, but he plays kind of the guy that has it together. Mm-hmm. And I think he did a great job. You know, that's fine. If he's the protagonist, it's just it's an it's interesting because it seems like it's a clear message movie, right? Does did it seem to you like it was a message movie? Like they were trying to were, were they trying to foretell or preach? You know, what, both or both? Okay, so I think there's both. Yeah, yeah. There was um, I don't. I guess do we want to. Spoiler alert. Yeah, of spoiler. And this, and this one's like... There's not a lot to spoil this, in this movie. Yeah, there's not a lot to spoil. Uh, it's interesting. It's worth watching for other reasons other than figuring out the ending. But And we're going to spoil this. We're going to... Right? We're going to spoil this. So if you haven't seen it, maybe stop now. Go watch the movie. Or, or don't. Um, <laughs> or watch this, it later but, with our incredible insight yeah, I think in this mind. Mo- <laughs> I think this movie falls into the category of spoiler alert... When we found this movie, it was already spoiled. <laughs> do, do you disagree or agree? Yeah. I mean, yeah. It was an okay movie, wasn't it? It was fine. I mean, the production value is good. Kind of like Barbie, right? The, the acting is fine. You know, these are accomplished actors, except for the kids. I wasn't impressed with the kids, but I give them a pass. They're, they're young. Well, they're not kids. only that, but you've got you to gotta realize what they were dealt. Right, they were dealt right. those parts and right. those, those uh, scripts. There's a couple scenes. There's one scene in particular between uh, Julia Roberts and the, uh, what's her name, Ruth, the daughter of the, the black guy. What's his name, G.H.? G.H., so we've got Amanda, his Julia. And she's G.H. Amanda. is the... Is the main, you know, yeah. kind of the guy that's got it together. Ruth, Ruth Scott is his daughter, and she is listed in IMDb as Mahala. Mahala or something. M-Y-H-A apostrophe L-A. So she is so famous that she only has one name, I guess. Is that right? Is I that what you do right. when you get right, Maybe. Big? But uh, so let, born in uh, California. Let's uh, let's let's. By the way, the, this is not somebody that just comes from an exotic location. She, well, California is quite <laughs> exotic. I thought you said despotic. <laughs> okay, let's let's lay out the family tree here. So G. H. Scott, George H. Scott. That's the um, the character you already mentioned. That's the self insert, the Barack Obama self insert. His daughter is played by. 
Vayala, Mahela, Mihulu, Mahamrai, or Moriankamer. Right. In that, a man uh, who knows, needs no introduction. Her name is Ruth. Yeah. And uh, Julia Roberts plays Amanda. She's married to Ethan Hawke. His name is... Uh, Clay. Clay. And they have two kids. They have a 16-year-old son named... Archie. Archie and a, a 13-year-old daughter named Rose. Rose, that's right. And we can link to all these fo- folks... Or, excuse me. We're going to link to the IMDb and uh, entry, and you can check it all this out. Kevin Bacon is someone called Danny, and he's a grumpy... Prepper. Ra- racist prepper. Trumpster. Magister. Right. He he wasn't wearing a MAGA hat. He was wearing a Dallas Cowboys hat. Right. And that's the cast. There's Pretty only, much. There's, there's a few other people in there. There's a few extras. There's a, an unnamed Spanish-speaking woman yeah, that you've has got a one scene, and really that's plane it. Plane crash victims numbers one, two, three. Four. Yeah, but those aren't even people. Like They're like... <clears throat> You got a beachgoer, props, an officer. Yeah, there's a few extras here and yeah. there, but they're they're actually listed in part as the <coughs> cast. So, and uh, we'll quickly I'll quickly lay out the the premise. So the premise is this this suburban family. This no, well, I think uh, it's an uh, urban family. Urban this family. is a New York's. Yeah, they live in Brooklyn. Yeah, New York family. Uh, Julia Roberts is an ad executive type, and. Her husband, Ethan Hawke, Clay, is a professor of uh, English literature, something like that, at a college. So they're your kind of typical lefty, urban, wealthy-ish, you know, upper middle class Brooklyn family, right? Two kids. By the way, this show is on Netflix. Uh, Most, not everybody has Netflix. A lot of people have it. It's easy to find, to watch, you know. You're paying for it. If you've got Netflix, you're paying for it. Right. And uh, it was produced by Netflix. G.H. George. He's um, he's in finance, right? He's like a, Georges H. Scott. He's a high. He's he's a high finance guy, big time clients, celebrity and famous clients. They never get named, which I thought was interesting. But he says, "Oh, just trust me. You'd know him if I told you." <laughs> and um, his wife, who we never meet, is an art dealer, and she's traveling at the time. She was on an airplane, which is an ominous problem. And his daughter, uh, Ruth, is in her 20s, post-college, and probably the most obnoxious person in recent television history. You think so? Well, the character. I don't, I don't know anything about the actress or actor. I don't know what's, pro- what what's didn't, pr- uh, proper now to call them nowadays. But what didn't you like about Well, she her. just was relentlessly obnoxious. Just all, She was all the tropes, right? All of the typical DEI, social justice tropes all in one person, right? She... The the prototypical kid coming out of the prototypical woke college, right? So the uh, the family, the the Clay and Amanda, uh, the movie wakes up. Uh, the movie starts with them waking up, right? And Julie Roberts is already up, and she's packing a suitcase. And Ethan Hawke's like, "What's going on?" She's like, "I rented us an Airbnb. We're leaving today." 
just kind of out of nowhere, right? Right. It's not a weekend. Maybe it's a Friday or something. I don't know if they ever specify. She wears the pants in the family. Clearly. And he's like, well, oh, okay, sure, all right, yeah. And they take a spontaneous trip out to an Airbnb on Long Island. And they go to the beach. And while they're on the beach, an oil tanker runs ashore and beaches itself. And, you know, luckily no one was hurt. It's a little odd. I I thought maybe it would be revealed that the oil tanker was abandoned or something. But anyway, it runs ashore. Did you notice the name of the boat? Yeah, something about a lion. White Lion. (laughs) And I thought, uh, two thoughts occurred to me, right? Little white lies and also white people be lion. (laughs) Right, right, right. But uh, I was wondering what I was wondering what uh, they meant by that because I've seen other movies where it was clear that the name of the boat meant something, right? You know, usually if they're going to show something, it mean like specific, it <clears throat> means something. Right. They're, they're very careful not to put products like recognizable brands into their shows unless, unless they those... can, unless they're getting paid for that, right? Or unless there's some sort of a purpose for it, you know? Yeah. So. Everyone runs off, you know, the beach gets closed down and uh, Ethan Hawke says something to the police officer, like, what's going on? The police officer says, nothing to worry about, just there, uh, something with navigation. I had a few, uh, few, of, few occurrences of it up the coast, which right then and there is like alarming. Like something's going on with navigation that's affecting multiple ships. That sounds ominous. Right. And the whole movie has this style. It almost takes on the form of a horror movie, it's right? It's kind of foreboding. Foreboding, and they try to be suspenseful. There's all kinds of obtuse, disruptive camera angles where the camera will flip upside down or sideways. And yeah, there's I, a lot of unexplained phenomenon. I found that a little obnoxious because it was like, you're just doing this because you can. It felt like I was in film school again where students learn something and they're like, we've got to make the whole movie. <laughs> has to be a Dutch angle. Every shot. It's like, well, all right. What's a Dutch angle? It's a, a little bit of an angle. Like, like it's like off a, a little bit? Yeah, and, and it works actually works great in photography for portraits and things because it just... Makes you <clears throat> look a little closer at the picture. Well, draws and, you in. And it's just, it can be complimenting, but... This was like, you know, the camera's on a crane or it was done digitally, but it's just flipping around and sideways. And it's like, just tell the story. Yeah. Get to the end. Get to the end. Where is the daughter? Yeah. Well, we we warned you, we're going to spoil this movie. So if it wasn't already. That's the inciting incident that kind of kicks off these bizarre, all this bizarre uh, occurrences, which really, well, I guess the real inciting incident is when George shows up at his house. Cause so they rented an Airbnb, right? A Beautiful home in the Hamptons. Is that what we call no, it? They're out on Long Island. What's the Hamptons? I don't know. It's like Hamptons is in New Hampshire, isn't it? Or, uh, I mean, Massachusetts or Connecticut. 
Well, Let's so, see. The Hamptons part of the east end of Long Island consists okay. of towns of Southampton, East Hampton. Maybe you're right. I don't know anything about that. If part you of look the world. at a map, you've got the the very um, dramatically populated New York City. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You've got Long Island, mm-hmm. and then there, the further you get out to the east on Long Island, the less people there are, like the less. Um, like it's a very, yeah. So the Hamptons, apparently you can find some property. Well, maybe that's where they were. I don't, maybe, I don't remember it ever says specifically, but there's a, the, the little general store they go to is called Point Comfort. And I was going to look that up to see if that was actually a little town out there, but they're on Long Island. Well, that's an interesting thing. Point Comfort, the point of comfort. Right. And uh, it happens to be that George is the owner of the house, right? The one that this very nice home that they rented. Yeah. And Point Point Comfort actually is a point. Uh, it looks like it might be in New Jersey. It's hard to tell on the map here, but it's across the bay from uh, New York. To the south. There, I can't find any other point comforts. Keep going. All right. Anyway, they, uh, Amanda and Clay have rented this home for the weekend. It's got a nice pool. It's close to the beach. It's off in the woods. It's secluded. And then the, 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 the night, their first night there, this is after the oil tanker, uh, George and his daughter show up late at night unannounced. And, uh, of course, of course, Clay and Amanda, uh, the only reason they could be skeptical of the situation is because they're black people, right? George, or George and his daughter are black. Yeah, that was a little weird. Uh, I mean, he, they did a good job trying to sort of demonstrate what, how weird it might be if you had to stay at your own home, but somebody was renting it. Right. That was, that was interesting. He's like... He's like, well, I thought this would be the best place to knock rather than come to the side door, you know, trying to explain, my name is so-and-so. And, right. And it, they, they, they really make um, Amanda, the Julia Roberts character, out to be kind of a dunce. She's, she's having a hard time computing that this is the person she rented the place from. Right. She's an angry idiot, is what which, she is. Which is, which is kind of silly. Is I think she generally plays somebody that's got it together better than that, but... But right. the idea is, it took him took her a long time to figure out this is the guy she rented the place from, and he's there for some important reason. Yeah, he even he calls her by name. He must be Amanda, and she's like, "Pardon me." He's like, "I'm George." We emailed, and look, they emailed that day. Right, and and he's dressed in a tux, and they have a very wealth, uh, very expensive car. Right outside or whatever. And Clay Ethan Hawke's character, he's chill. He's like. Yeah, come on in. I mean, make your. He's like, make yourself at. at yeah, you got it. You got it. Yeah. <laughs> so, but they show up, and and George doesn't do a great job of explaining himself either, right? He's like, everything's cryptic and vague. It's like, he gives him a little bit of a reason to be suspicious. And this is where the movie. Well, and it was never really together, but this is, and apparently, this is based on a novel, which I I was going to do a little homework on, but didn't. <laughs> You know, I went so far as to watch the whole first season of uh, Mr. Robot that uh, 
Esmail. What's his first name? Is it Sam? Uh, the guy that directed this is Sam Esmail. And uh, I watched, he, he had written and produced, directed a uh, series called Mr. Robot, mm-hmm. which is about a cyber attack. <laughs> Similar subject, right? Uh, 2015 to 2019. But I got through the first season of it, and I'm not sure if I'm going to continue, but interesting enough, that's the guy they tapped for this. Right. So at this point, the movie kind of starts to unravel for me. Because, and I understand in movies we suspend disbelief and things like that, but it's clear to the audience, because just the, 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 the signals to the audience are clear that there's more to uh, the reason that George has come out to the country. He's in the city. He has a home in the city. He was at the symphony where he's apparently, you know, he's on the board of the Philharmonic or something. He's a successful guy. Right. They make that very, very, very obvious. Oh, is, they hammer that in. And uh, he's very, he's, he's really being coy with uh, Clay and Amanda. Uh, oh, we, uh, we came out here because uh, there was a blackout. There was a power outage in the city. And, uh, and Julia Roberts is like, well, why didn't you just go home? to your place there. Oh, I have a bum knee and it's hard to climb the stairs because the elevator was out. So you drove all the way out here? Well, it was... Yeah, yeah it kind of gets like, it kind of gets to be that you're like, okay, yeah, he is being kind of coy because he doesn't even have his ID. He forgot to get his overcoat. Right, and he any, checked his coat. Yeah, any <laughs> rational person at that point is going, well, why didn't you get... You? Okay, what's really going on? That's right. Have you ever had a conversation where somebody says, "Okay, come on, just spill it"? Right, and and then that, he's like, you, "You're like that should have happened there." Right, and we get it. It's your home. You're welcome to come in. You know, I know we've rented it or whatever. But all of those, all of those uh, rental outfits, Airbnb, um, VRBO, they've got clauses in their contracts that basically say they, the owners and the management could come in for any reason. Right. It's like a hotel. It's not your house. Right. And it's, it's clear at this point that George saw some stuff that really alarmed him. Right. And so we're, we're suspending disbelief. We're like, okay, get, get to, get to the point. And, and that, that is a little bit like, there's a little bit of pulling teeth there, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this, the whole scene is a little tedious, like, because it, it's like they get all racial about it, and well, they, the daughter makes it an yeah, issue. Yeah, and the you know Clay and Amanda go off to talk about it on their own, and it's and at one point Julia Roberts she says something like, "There, these people are strangers." Like you just know, like she's going to say black. The whole audience is going. You're going to say black, aren't you? Or it's implied, and then she says strangers, and it's just so tedious. Like, okay, we get it. This it's contrived, is what it right. is. I think it's it's contrived because you know, if it were your home and you were that wealthy, you'd be like, you'd come, you'd come to the door and you'd say, hey, this is my home, as per the contract. You know, I need to exercise clause. You know, forty seven dot one dot four 
uh, which means that I can enter the place. There's been an emergency. Uh, I, I really apologize in order to compensate you X, Y, Z, but I am going into my basement and I will be spending the night here. That's how that guy would really have acted. Right. Well, And, and he and, would have said, look, you're welcome to stay or maybe try to kick him out. I don't know. But he, there would be some sort of a compromise, but that guy would not be taking any prisoners. The owner of the home, the, the man who has been so successful that he right. is on the board of the Philharmonic. He's, he's going to be like, hey, you know, here's the issue. And and we're gonna make sure it's worth your while, but I'm I'm staying in my house tonight. Well if he's the stand up guy that they portray, he would say there like you said, he would have said there's an emergency in the city. I don't know the extent of it yet, but it was It was bad enough it was that bad I'm enough out here. that I've that me and my daughter are out here. Uh, I know you're from the city. I highly recommend not going back. Yeah, he's like stay here. Yeah, he's the stand up guy. He's gonna be like, Hey, we're coordinating you know, you're gonna. It's a good thing I'm here. I'm gonna refund your your. I'll refund some of your money because I understand that we're we're crashing your vacation. Yeah. As he does, a thousand bucks is only fifty percent of the, the the the. You know, he's making some good money off that VR VO or Airbnb, but just for the the one night that they were there. But well, I think they had rented it for two nights or three nights or something, but. But yeah, and then that's well, where and, I was yeah, like, and, just, and I think I think that's a little contrived because I mean, if you're the rich guy. And that, and he knows what's happened. The money is not a problem. It's right. like he'd be like, "Look, I'm going to refund your money. You can stay here the two nights for free, or whatever." And also, uh, also, if you're renting your house out, you're not keeping envelopes of cash and in, a gun in a cabinet with all the the liquor in a, <laughs> in a easily accessible. You know, I know it was locked, but it's those drawers. You could get into those drawers if you really wanted to. Right. Oh, and somebody would right. at some point. But, uh, <laughs> so anyway, it, it, the film is not about, well, I think they think they wanted to make it about like this tension between some black people, some rich white oh, people, they made, some rich black people. There is a tension, yeah. No, I know, they make it that, but that isn't, but it was contrived. That and isn't that's the point of the movie. And and when you get tension, a lot of times it is contrived. Right. It's like it's a social problem that that people have in their heads that doesn't need to be there. There's a big mural in the home that's just looks kind of Jackson Pollock style uh-huh. that they often are arguing in front of or talking in front of. That it's, it's just black and white splatters, right? And so it's like, yeah, oh, we get it. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah, and then of course Rose or Ruth. Ruth is the uh, daughter of G.H. She says something like, you can't trust anybody, especially white people. And it's like, okay, but that's just absurd. But whatever. It's very clear they wanted to make this about race. So, Or at least ha- have, some, <laughs> have, it make, have it make some sort of commentary on right. race. Which is so, I don't know, for me personally, that it's just like everything is racial. And it's so tedious. It's not. It's just not interesting. Well, the thing is, it was unnecessary. Right. So, uh, the, in contrast, Mr. Robot, S. Mill's other big work, it has various races in the, in the show. And you've got like a, I think he, I think you'd call him, what's his name? Uh, Ramek Mal 
Uh, I can't help you, man. Yeah, sorry, I'm <laughs> I'm struggling here. It's uh, Malramic or something. Rami Malik. Okay, there we go. Had <laughs> it backwards. Rami Malik. He was the supervillain in No Time to Die. James Bond, No Time to Die. Okay. And he's got he's got those big buggy eyes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's. I think he's. I guess I could look him up here since I've got the internet in front of me. He is of. Let's see. What does it say? He's an American actor. Um, he played Freddie Mercury. I think he won an Oscar for that. Um, but he he looks like he's of Hispanic descent, right? Can I say that without getting into trouble? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You're. Let's see. Born in Los Angeles to an Egyptian Coptic Orthodox family, so he is of North African. Okay. descent so egyptian but he has a look that he's like of a different ethnicity than the mm -hmm. majority here in america and so and they've got indian people and they've got black people and all that in the in the um well in the mr robot so esmail was never a, a racist or anything <laughs> right and and it's just it's obviously the in, in leave the world behind this is a I think it just shows the influence of the people who commissioned the film to be made, the the Obamas. Right, and, the people who had the influence over the script. And uh, it's unnecessary. It, it just kind of detracts from the... Now, and again, it's based on a novel. I don't know if all that racial tension is in the novel. I don't know who wrote the novel. I could look it up here, but I don't really care. You keep talking. I'll look it up. All right. So... Over the course of the next few hours, the the people at the house, our cast of characters are learning a little bit more and more. And meanwhile, the, the internet doesn't work. The phones are all out. The TV's out. The idea is if a power outage caused that kind of massive gridlock on Long Island, something's up, right? <clears throat> right. But the, but the <clears throat> what's interesting is that the couple, the Julia Roberts, Clayhawk, or Ethan Hawke, sorry, the Sanford family seems like oblivious. Like when when they when they can't get internet access, when their cell right. phones stop working, you there's no way that you don't have great internet access in the Hamptons. Okay? Right, right. This is next to New York, probably the one of the most Wi-Fi networked areas in the probably the most mm -hmm. <laughs> in the world. And so, the, the, again, it was very contrived. Like, these people would have been freaking out just because of the blackout and the gridlock and no internet. There, and I'm telling you, when, when the crisis hits, the, the lack of information, because we are information addicted right. and that's, in the modern world, that would have blown everybody up right then and there. They would not have made it through the night. And that's depicted, so when they, when they leave their house to go drive out to Long Island, the scene shows, uh, it opens up on the GPS of the car, right? And Ethan Hawke, he like gets the music playing, goes to the GPS, and it kind of opens up. Julia Roberts is on her phone talking to her sister or somebody. Mm -hmm. The kid 
the older boy is playing a video game on his phone. And this is when they're coming out to the house the first yeah, time. Yeah, they're in the car, and the younger girl, uh, Rose, is watching Friends on, on her, her laptop. Phone. Yeah, or on her device. So they're all on their devices. They're all hooked to it, and and so later on when they don't have access to that that their only their only thing their only instinct is well we got to check the news we got to check the internet and they don't have access to that and so they're left in the dark so to speak now there's a blackout in New York City but it doesn't affect Long Island somehow for some reason and maybe there's logical reasons for that but it doesn't matter it's not that big of a plot point yet i guess but but as this stuff starts happening they're just speculating right they're speculating because they don't have any outside information they try to leave the island and there's this bizarre scene where white teslas are self-driving into each other into each other and clogging up the highways so they make a sort of a a a weak attempt to explain why long island hadn't already been overrun with people yeah, see... Because, uh, I mean, do you realize how many people live in New York City? What would happen yeah, if... Yeah, Manhattan, the, during the workday, Manhattan has like 12 million people right. there. The minute that, in, in reality, if that had actually happened, you would have... Because what we're seeing is that air, airplanes are crashing, the, the, the boats are... The tankers are running into the shore. Once that news spread, and it would spread, because there's like a person every three feet on Long Island, okay? <laughs> well, in fact, on if you, Manhattan... Well, yeah, in Manhattan, but if you were to spread them out across Long Island, it'd, it'd be right. like they could probably hold hands well, all the a... way around the island and then mesh all the way between. So what, what I'm trying to say is that there's there's so many people there that they would have overrun the Hamptons within hours right. people of would recognizing have... it was more than just a blackout. People would have fled on foot and they would have climbed over the Teslas. And it's not cool. They would have driven around the Teslas. It's not coincidental that every Tesla is white because obviously no, it's white no. things causing where, a problem. And where are they coming from? Is there some huge dealership there on Long Island? There might be a Tesla plant. I, I don't know. But it's, they're just self-driving from the plant one at a time. It's really bizarre. Yeah. And there's a lot of bizarre episodes in, the, in this film, little bizarre little things that never get explained. But... The point being that they're trapped on the island. Now, there could have been way better ways to show them, to trap them on the island, like a uh, a tidal wave or a bomb or something could have taken out a bridge or two or something a little more interesting than just Teslas clogging up the road, crashing into each other. But people would have definitely fled New York City via any means possible they would have gone everywhere. They would have gone over to Long Island. They would have just gotten out of the city. And maybe they were, and that's not depicted, but Long Island sure is peaceful during this whole film. There is one Tesla dealership out there in the middle of Long Island, but it is closer to New York than the Hamptons. Well, debunked, I guess. Movie ruined. Movie ruined. <laughs> but as the film goes on... uh. For example, you know, the second morning, Amanda gets a couple of news alerts about a cyber attack. And there's a, the, the audience is shown a screen, which is actually, a, we have a screenshot of it here. Cyber attack across the country, CNN. Power outages reported along East Coast metropolitan areas. And 
And so the audience knows like something bigger is happening if the characters in the movie don't. And that's obviously a common storytelling trope. But at one point, the, the people start leaving the house. They're trying to, you know, they go to see Danny because they need some medicine. Well, they do that towards the end. The first thing right. that happens is uh, Clay, the Ethan Hawke character, he tries to head into town, but he gets lost. He gets lost because he's a moron. and he gets lost on Long Island. Doesn't know how to get back to town because he doesn't have his GPS. And he doesn't seem to try very hard. But he runs into this screaming Hispanic woman who he just leaves and he feels bad about it because he doesn't understand her. Right. And he's scared. And then he, they get pamphleteered by Islamic terrorists or something. Yeah, these pamphlets are <laughs> dropped. Why they're dropping them on Long Island in the farm, middle of a farm country. Like, is, like he was crop dusted or yeah, something. Yeah, anybody's guess. But they have like Arabic on them. And the kid, the 16-year-old boy is like, oh, that says death to America. I learned it from a video game. <laughs> yeah, like, anyway, so, so this, is a, <laughs> this is completely contrived. I mean, this is not like a realistic prepper movie. This is a message movie. Right. Right. This is like a very symbolic, highly abstract message movie. While, while he's out there... Driving around lost, the uh, Julia Roberts and G.H. What's the actor's name again that plays George Scott? Great Scott, Marty. Mahershala Ali. Okay, he's. Uh, I call him M.A. He's. Uh, they're getting to know each other a little bit more. the The sixteen year old son is ogling the angry Ruth. And uh, the little girl's wandering around, and there's deer. The deer are all weird. <laughs> I just, they, okay, they sorry. They stare at the kids, and they gather around the house. It's really odd. Okay, I have to stop us here for some reason, because my mind just works this way. But his name is Mahershala. And in Isaiah, there's a point where uh, Isaiah names his two boys. Mm-hmm. One of them's name is Mahershalal Hashbaz, Hashbaz, which means destruction is imminent. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and the other boy's name is Sher Jashub, which means that a remnant w- shall return. So literally Isaiah is naming his children. And at the time, the, the names, when you'd say the name, it actually meant something. It wasn't just a, a name that you were, you were given for aesthetics. So... Uh, I'm looking up, I don't understand the, the language here, but uh, Mahershala, I'm not sure if that means. Okay, so Mahershala is a primary, primarily a name of Hebrew origin that means swift are the spoils, speedy is the plunder. That's under babynames.com. So we just. The whole episode just took a more <laughs> ominous turn for me. <laughs> and in fact, I, was, I wanted to say this early on, and you know, we get going and we get talking and get on tangents, and you try to tell the whole story and everything, which is great. Um, <laughs> I try to tell the whole story plus extra. Right. We want to get into the extra. That's what the audience wants. No, I'm just, I'm kidding. I just, I go on and on and on and on. But uh, what, one thing I wanted to say is I, I thought that a good name for this episode would be if we really think it's happening or if i really think it's happening why are my why am i not changing my actions you right. know because this is like in your face stuff but uh one thing that's really funny 
I just noticed. I'm looking at the screenshot that from the movie <clears throat> that shows the cyber attack across the country, and it shows the areas you know hardest hit. Right. And Summit County gets for, hard, hit really hard. For some, I that. <laughs> for some reason, somehow Alaska is up on on the map and has some outages. And I'm thinking Alaska isn't really part of the U.S. You know, the continental, the continental the US. contiguous states. It's like, yeah. <laughs> did parts of Canada get hit as well? Like, I don't know. I just found that. A little, and then Hawaii is is all affected as well. Oh, by the way, on the baby name website, it says Mahershal Ali. It mentions the man. Mm -hmm. And then it says, parentheses, real name Mahershal Hashbaz is an award-winning American actor. So his real name actually is the one from the Bible. So he's named after Isaiah's boys? Well, well at least he has, the, one, this, he has the, the same one. name. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Well, <clears throat> the the relationships between these people get a little bit better, but it's still kind of, there's this element of distrust. <clears throat> And there's this noise, right? This obnoxious noise that keeps happening. And mm -hmm. it sounds like a a boom and then a high-pitched thing that makes everybody fall to their knees and plug their ears and scream. We're never really we're never really told what that is or where it comes from. It's I think it ends up being a form of psychological warfare. Mm-hmm. And there's radiation for some reason, and poor Archie's teeth fall out for some reason. Well, they they were trying to, they weren't sure whether it was because he got bit by a bug or it was yeah. the sound thing, uh, golf golf, you know what they call it, uh, Havana syndrome. Like maybe right. that's what uh, Danny the prepper kind but of. But he mentions radiation in, in yeah. that. But it only affects Archie, and like immediately affects him, like. Like his teeth come out. Like his teeth. He starts, and he starts pulling on his teeth. You'd think yeah. that after the first one, he would have stopped and like left my, the other ones my in. My teeth feel weird, and he just starts pulling them out. And then they go to Danny for some medicine, because apparently you can have anti-radiation tooth restore medicine right. if you're and a he, pepper. Danny acts like a total jerk. But are we, we going to go well, um, not, sequentially uh, through this, or do we uh, want to just talk about some of the major things and let people get, watch it and piece it together? I mean, there's there's really no plot in this movie. It's, well, they they lose track of the girl Rose. Who, who yeah. her? What's she, funny is that she's thirteen. She's bored. She's the parents are trying to keep the kids busy by keeping them swimming in the pool. Well, by right? by keeping them ignorant. Yeah, they won't they won't tell them what's going on, but they kind of know something's up. And Rose, rather than being scared, she's wandering off into the woods. And her main goal in life is to see, because she was on the last episode of Friends. Mm -hmm. So she wants to ha figure out what happens to Ross and Rachel. Because mm -hmm. she didn't grow up with that. She doesn't know. So like her burning issue is not about her own safety, about what she's going to eat. She's a bored 13-year-old. She's going to... I just find this really implausible. Her main problem is she wanted to see what happened at the end of right. Friends. Like right. to, to the detriment of her own safety. While she's out wandering around, she sees a view of the city, right? Does she see it? I don't think she sees it. It's while Julia Roberts and... Uh, yeah, they do. Let's see. So so Amanda uh, her, and Ruth are looking for her. Oh, I derailed one of my derailments. Yeah. So there's a scene with Julia Roberts and um, 
Mahershala Hashbaz. No, the girl. Oh, Ruth. out in that Ruth. shit. Okay. And we were talking earlier about yeah. the, the girl. The kids aren't the greatest of actors, and I'll, I'll give them a pass on that. But there's a scene there where... Yeah, they don't make the greatest characters. Let's there, Julia Roberts. Uh, that's uh, Amanda. Amanda and Ruth. And Ruth are arguing. And it just feels, especially... Julia Roberts is a pretty accomplished actress. I don't know that she's great, but she's obviously has her... She has a long list of credits and credentials. She plays a certain character pretty much in all her movies. Pretty woman. But this other uh, girl, it just feels, I felt like I was watching an acted scene. You know what I mean? Like I was watching some people in an acting class, especially Mm. the Rose or Ruth character. It just felt like acting. (laughs) It took me out of the scene which wasn't hard to do in this movie, but... Well, and plus they had that shed out in the middle of nowhere with all the rope in it, right? Rope and a bed, like a leaf bed. And yeah, no like one seems to think that's weird. That's got to mean something. I haven't figured out I don't think, I think it means it. I, I think there's, this, this film's full of a lot of stuff that we're supposed to go, oh, yeah, and it doesn't. We don't because it doesn't mean anything. Like the deer... Oh, the animals, yeah. Apparently the animals are feeling it. Yeah, that it's some for some reason You think this is a this is something to ensnare the environmental for wo- wokesters? For some reason flamingos rely on Wi Fi and GPS to determine their migratory patterns. And so when it's all disrupted, they end up in Long Island in a swimming pool instead of Florida. Well, it could it could be that somebody knows a little bit more about ancient symbolism like you know the noah's ark story the idea that this is enochian you know book of enoch type of stuff or the you can go all the way back to the epic of gilgamesh the Mm -hmm. main character is a bull Mm -hmm. you know which is important because in the age of taurus the bull was a symbol of the father god right Mm -hmm. and the sun god you know um you have allusions to this in Malachi in the Bible about growing up like calves of the stall, you know, and later then we see that Jesus is the lamb of God. So the relationship to the, to the um, constellation, the predominant constellation on the spring equinox has always been an important aspect of symbolism in, in, in world culture. So it's possible that the animals are more uh, the people, the re- the regular, the, the hoi polloi, the unwashed mm-hmm. masses, the people who don't know anything. And that uh, Amanda and Clay represent something higher, like leadership, and that and that GH represents something even higher, Barack Obama. Well, yeah, you G- know? GH is... Um, Special people. He has a speech where his client tells him about going to meet with the evil cabal that rules the world. Ha, ha, ha. And he's like, oh, you thought we only did that at the winter solstice. And so they nod, they make a nod yeah. to that that stuff is happening. And, yeah. then they, and then they immediately say something like, but that's not real. Well, what they say is it's worse than that. It, it, the, the, they aren't the in control. The truth is nobody's in control. And But they, they, Julia Roberts and... Um, is that what GH tells her specifically? Yeah, that the guy had told him? Yeah. Or, or is he... Like, I think he says his client... Told him that. Said, you know, nobody's in control. Take care of yourself or something. And so 
Amanda and Ruth are arguing. They step out of the shed and the deer are surrounding them. And it's just so weird. And they scream at the deer and shoo them away. And then they bond over that. And all the racial tension is healed because they screamed at some deer. And then they follow bike tracks because Ruth or uh, Rose took the bike and was riding through the woods, just cross country on no trail or anything on a bike. She stumbles across a neighbor's house who we're told uh, from Danny, because when they go see Danny, there's a significant scene we have to talk about where Danny's being a jerk. This is Kevin Bacon. He's like, I'm not giving you guys anything. Uh, I got to look after me and mine. And George is like, but Danny, we're friends. And he's like, there's no friends in the apocalypse. And then then they pull guns on each other. (laughs) Because that's what you do, right? And they have this standoff, and uh, Clay, Ethan Hawke, gets in the middle of it. And I thought, this is dumb, too. This is just movie making. Because if, if I'm on my porch, and I have a shotgun raised, as Danny does... And the guy I'm pointing that shot that shotgun at pulls a gun on me. I'm pulling the trigger. But instead, Danny doesn't. And I'm not saying me personally. I'm just saying situationally in the real world, right? If you're in a point, if you're in a state of mind where you you have your gun raised at somebody and that person raises a gun, you're probably pulling the trigger. I think a lot of people if it if it does come to that kind of uh, <clears throat> apocalyptic, you know, person versus person <laughs> scenario, PVP, PVP, um, there's going to be a lot of rude awakenings for people who think it's going to play out like the movies. Because right. the guy that shoots first, you, you just don't wait. If you if you're threatened by someone with a gun <clears throat> that intends to do you harm, you don't talk to them. If they're if they have a gun pointed at you, you shoot them. And ask questions later, because right. you already formed in your mind what you think is so the what, scenario. What what probably would have happened in a scenario like that is George pulls the gun and gets his chest blown open by the shotgun, and then just because he's standing there and came with George, Clay gets his chest blown apart by the shotgun as well, mm-hmm. and then Danny drags the bodies off to the river and dumps them in. And that's that, and no one ever knows or cares because the world's ending. Instead, there's like this standoff, and Ethan Hawke, Clay, gives this speech about how useless he is, and he needs Danny's help because he has medicine that can apparently grow your teeth back or something. Um, and then they leave with the medicine after he buys it for $1,000, the same $1,000 that George gave him for refund. Right. And Kevin Bacon, Danny, basically says, don't come back. But hey, hot tip. You know, I built an amazing, or my, my friend, the contractor, Danny's a contractor as well. He built an amazing bomb shelter in your neighbor's house. You should go check that out. <laughs> that, that whole thing I just found so implausible. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> like the, the information they gain, the fact that he actually was willing to trade the, like a prepper like that is willing to, in that scenario trade valuable medicine for a thousand dollars not knowing what's going on yeah it makes danny look like an idiot well also if danny knows that there's this amazing bomb shelter why isn't he in it and it's like well maybe he built his own Mm -hmm. okay why isn't he in that one Mm -hmm. 
Instead, he, like he's just chilling out in his house. But they needed the scene, right? So George, <clears throat> George and Clay leave along with Archie. He got his pills, which I guess is, makes him better. Meanwhile, the girls are off on their own adventure, trying to find Rose. Rose takes the bike, and she wanders through the woods and finds this other home, which just happens to be the home that Danny talked about, right? The What was the, the Thanes or something, right? Something like that. And she breaks into the house, and she finds a bunch of junk food, and she's eating that. And the house is empty, and I'm thinking, well, where's this family? Where they didn't make it out of the they city, They must apparently. have not made it out of the city. Well, and you saw that Clay ran into, or no, not Clay, G.H. ran into her over to his other neighbors, and they, um, they were gone, but their home had been destroyed because of airplanes that kept landing in the, crashing yeah, in for the, some reason, on the beach. Airplanes were crashing in the same spot on Long Island, because uh, that's that's a probable thing. <laughs> I mean, they would be crashing everywhere. The amount of airplanes that are in the sky at any given point. But anyway, again, we digress. <laughs> so they they Ruth goes into this home. She finds junk food. She hears her mom outside call for her, or Rose, sorry, Rose, and she ignores her mom, which a 13-year-old in this kind of situation would not. Yeah, she's got this smorgasbord of, of junk food she that she has stolen from the Thane home. I don't think it's Thane's, but I'm calling it that. The, the something home. And she would have, a 13-year-old in this situation would probably be a little bit scared. <laughs> Instead, she ignores her mom. And she wanders around the house, and she finds the door to this state-of-the-art bomb shelter, and it just opens. Right. <laughs> you don't need a code or a key. It just opens. And she goes in there, and this 13-year-old child of the internet. And you were close. It's the thorns. Thorns. This kid, this 13-year-old girl that's never left the city in her life, just knows how to turn on the power in this bomb shelter, and it is state-of-the-art. There's a bedroom with bunk beds, and there's a kitchen, and there's a fully stocked pantry of canned goods. There's an entertainment system with every... Oh, it's an awesome bunker. With every DVD television series known to man, a huge wall dedicated to DVDs. There's... Right. Somehow there's a, there's a communication system that... Has a better, like, has, has, a has, a, has like the, yeah, the secret emergency alert system or something yeah. with a couple of computers that are right. still running, yeah. And it's telling you what's going on, radiation detected, cyber attack, blah, blah, blah. What does Rose do? She finds friends. Now, uh, yeah, I thought a lot of people, uh, I read a little bit about this, and a lot of people didn't like the ending. I thought the ending was perfect for this movie. Well, yeah, okay. and, there's, and we'll, get, we'll get to some of the... Maybe the meanings behind it, but she finds the friends DVDs. She puts in the last one, fi- figures out, and literally watches the episode called "The Last One," and the movie ends with her smiling while you hear the theme song for friends. Dun, da, da, dun, 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 dun. You never told you life was gonna be this way. Which I think dun, was dun, intentional dun. that they ha- that that was mm. the very end of the movie. Your job's a joke. Mm. You're broke. Your love life's DOA. Right. It looks like you're always stuck in second gear. It hasn't been your day, your week, your month, or well, even your year. And it's like 
the world's literally ending because there's a scene right before this where the older girls, uh, Ruth and Amanda, Amanda, see New York City being bombed. They well, see downtown. They see fire and smoke. Yeah, and they explosions, see clouds and explosions, and it's yeah. all dramatic. And they they gasp and everything. And it's like, and they hold hands. It's like that's yeah, not what it you brings would do. them together. They, that's not what you would do if you saw that. You would grab each other maybe, and you would run, and you would panic to find to find your little girl. Yeah. You it's, and meanwhile, as this as this end scene is developing. Uh, Clay and GH get back in the car, successfully having received the medicine. Right. And Clay gives a pep talk to, or sorry, GH gives the pep talk to Clay. So Clay's yeah. sort of the, yeah, I'll do whatever you want. GH is clearly the leader. And and um, he basically is, is saying, I got to know that you're with me. Yeah. Like, you got to be on my side during this collapse. Yeah. that's That was really significant, too. And... That would be a real thing. I think, <clears throat> I think in a collapse like, like it's depicted, most most people would act either like Danny, and say, "Get away from me! We're not helping anybody. We're taking care of our own." Or they would be Clay, absolutely, utterly useless. Most people would be useless because we're addicted to our phones. We don't know how to do anything without the internet, and you might be able to survive a few days on the food you have in your house. <clears throat> But pretty soon, like, it would just evolve into to murderous chaos, especially in the cities. Like, Dan even says, oh, lucky for you guys, you got out of the city. Can you imagine what that's like right now? And So it's implied, and we never see it, but it's implied that both parties, the, the men and the women, find their way to the thorns because they've both been given a clue. We know Julia Roberts, Amanda, and Ruth are right outside the thorns. Thane's Thorn's house, and they're gonna they, the bike's there. The window's broken that on the door that little girl used to break in. So we know that they're right behind her. The boys are gonna show up at George's house, realize they're not there. They're gonna go to the Thorns. Well, there was the whole agreement between Ruth and her dad, like don't yeah. leave me. I'll only be gone an hour. Right. And that never gets resolved. No, there's a lot so, of unresolved. So, but stuff. Her, her phone, her phone alarm goes off when she's with Amanda, and so it's sort of like a kumbaya type of an ending where right. where G H and Clay figure out the pecking order and that they're together and against against the preppers, of course. R- right. Even though they're gonna benefit. From the preppers. Yeah, and then uh, Amanda and Ruth, they... Um, so the the implication here is that everybody's going to find, find the shelter and live happily ever after or something. And there's a... You, on the computer screen in the shelter that says something like, New York City under attack by rogue military forces. Yeah, and who who are the rogue military forces? Probably white people, Christian nationalists, right? Yeah, Christian nationalists, <laughs> whatever that means, with their F sixteens. But and then that's the end of the movie. It ends with yeah, with Rose watching Friends, back to her addiction. And one of my immediate thoughts was like, that's what they think of the regular person. As long as we just have our addictions, our entertainment, it doesn't matter that the world's ending. Mm-hmm. We'll just happily watch, you know, we'll be distracted by our TV stars while they uh, take away the whole 
the whole world. So I think you've give, you've you've done a, a valiant effort to like <laughs> lay out the, what happens in the show if somebody hasn't watched it and they don't want to watch it. You know, it doesn't quite get to all of the all of the scenes or, or kind of things that might it, be important. It was a pretty boring. It was pretty boring. It's kind of a boring show. But uh, I think you've done a good job, and um, I think we could go through. I've written down a bunch of symbols here that we ought to we ought to say. Okay, what what do we think these are? And then we need to talk about uh, cyber attack and total collapse, and maybe what the actual effects and what would cause that really would be. Maybe maybe at, after we discuss some of these symbols. But um, the big question for Bobby Flood from Jordan Bruno, and the, the burning question on everybody's mind is. Is this predictive programming? Is was this intentional? Is, is this just a, a puff piece for Barack Obama's ego, or is it an intentional messaging of something that's coming? Both. Okay. Uh, uh, Barack Obama is an egomaniac, a narcissist. We know this. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's of course it's predictive programming. I mean, so in what way? Like, I, I've re- I, I think I sent you a couple of articles. I'm not saying you should have read everything I sent I you. I looked at them. But uh, one one lady was saying this is just ego stroking, and then the other guy was like, "No, they're not. It's not reverse psychology. They say they're going to do a cyber attack. So, so the 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 psychology is we say cyber attack, so you won't believe it, but." You better believe it because they are, well, they're already on to the idea that we don't believe them. <laughs> cyber attack is everywhere in the news recently. Well, we had Cyber Polygon. We have uh, right. the World uh, Economic Forum is talking about it, and they're, they're running exercises about it, right? You've got, right. The, you've got a lot of people talking in about it. Pre, Pre-COVID pandemic, there was a lot of pandemic movies. They, you had Event 201. This, uh, I think that they're just working on ways <clears throat> to... Put the idea of not just cyber attack, but societal collapse into our minds. So what you're saying is this ought to be taken seriously. I think what it... I th- I and think, so, and I so think, again, my question comes up, if we really are, if we really believe what we're saying, why are we, why are we sitting here <laughs> talking to these people right. when there's so much work to be done? What, what, yeah, what I'm saying is when these people tell you what they want and what they're going to do, we should believe them. Now that doesn't mean it's inevitable, right? There's, it'd probably be as useful, if not more useful, to work in ways to prevent them from doing what they want to do than it would be for us to become the Kevin Bacon character. And maybe there's a combination of both, yeah. right? Because Ke- Kevin Bacon, Danny, Danny in this film, we we don't know the extent of his preparation. There's a s- silly line there. Ethan Hawke is like, you're the most prepared man in New York. He's like, F right I am. <laughs> it's like, okay, well, apparently the Thorns are way more prepared because they have an amazing shelter. We never got to see Danny's shelter. Right. And it's implied because Danny's a builder, a contractor. He did a lot of work on George's house. That's how they met. They're buddies. Well, and they foreshadow that he's super prepared because he's stocking. They see him stocking up at he's, comfort he's, point, he's right? He's buying some water, he's right? He's buying stuff. And that's the epitome of a prepper. They buy water. And toilet paper. <laughs> but it's implied to, Danny says, you know, my buddy worked on the thorn shelter, off the grid, no permits, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And you think, 
okay, well, then obviously Danny and his buddy probably did that at their own homes too, Mm -hmm. assuming they could afford something of it. He does mention how it's... Danny's home is on a huge piece of property, but it's a very modest home. Sure. So it's probably only... Four million dollars <laughs> or forty million dollars. I don't know what a house costs out there. That kind of property is probably probably twenty million dollars. Well, in the in the apocalypse, it's not worth anything. And apparently, too, the the people bombing New York City are only <clears throat> only hitting downtown, and they're pamphleting everybody else. And they pamphleteer the <laughs> the uh, rich people the on orchard, Long Island, the, the grape vineyards out there. And <laughs> so. All right, let's get, let's get into some of the symbolism. There's probably a lot of it. We kind of talked about. Let me let me run down this list, and you can you can throw some stuff at me. <clears throat> Gh, what does he represent? Besides, Barack Obama. Besides Barack Obama. Barack Obama, right? Right. It's He's a self Barack insert. Obama. It's a Barack Obama self insert. Yeah, and 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 he also. Uh, so he's sort of the narrator. He's sort of the, I'm telling you the reality I want you to know. And, and by the way, I got to talk about conspiracy here at this point, because I, I've got the, the text here between um, Amanda and Clay when, he, when he's telling the story here. He says, um, let's see. He, he, when he says, uh, the, the, the conversation went like this. He's, he's trying to explain to Amanda that he has this very wealthy client that you would know him if, if I said his name, who's right. very well connected, invested in the defense industries or whatever, right? Right. And he says, one time, you know, we were together laughing at a party or whatever, and we got really drunk. And he, uh, he was going to go out of town. And I said, where are you going? And he said, I'm going to meet with the secret cabal that controls the world. Mm-hmm. And he laughed. They all, they both laughed it off. Right. And then, uh, he says that the guy called him while he was at the symphony. And the reason he was able to get out of town was because this guy called him and wanted him to move some money around. And he got suspicious. Yeah. He says big, mo- big money, even for this guy. Yeah. And, and he, his, his assertion is that what they're trying to, what they're trying to tell the, the viewing public is, no, wealthy people just know better than you, but they're not really in control, right? Right. And so the conversation goes like this. He says, um, he called him and was going to make these moves, and, and uh, GH says, well, what's going on? Are you, are you leaving town? Are you, are you headed to your secret cabal meeting? I thought that was only on the winter solstice. Right. And so this is the tail end after he and this is the tail end of the discussion where GH is getting really serious with Amanda because mm-hmm. they kind of laughed it off the first time. And, and so he's cycling back saying, okay, then he called me yesterday and this is what happened. And he says, are you going to your secret cabal meeting? You know, I thought that was only on the winter solstice. And the guy doesn't answer him. He just says, take care of yourself. Right. That's all he does. And it's, it's, um, GH it's George who says, you know, he says, yeah, well, first of all, he says, it was almost as if he felt sorry for me. Right. right. And he says, ever since then, I haven't been able to get it out of my head. I'm actually reading the subtitles here. And uh, Julia is taking it all in. She's like, are you saying that there really is such a thing, that your friend is somehow behind what's happening, such a cabal? And he says, a conspiracy theory about a shadowy group of people running the world. 
is just far too lazy of an explanation. So this is Barack Obama talking to the public, trying mm-hmm. to... And remember, Barack Obama is not in control. He was a teleprompter reader. Remember when the mm-hmm. teleprompter broke and he couldn't finish his speech? I mean, that... Barack Obama is a creation of the CIA. Oh, yeah, yeah. Nothing about him is real. His, his father... Uh, we don't even know who his father is. The birth certificate wasn't real. The, the sheriff's <laughs> office at Maricopa County did such an exhaustive investigation of this that it was. And if you're if you're into uh, media creation tools like PDF and what uh, you know Photoshop, whatever, they showed you exactly what they did. And, and they, the PDF that they had put out was pieced together, <laughs> like it. They. They should have printed it and taken a photo of it and put the image in the PDF when they released the PDF, but they didn't. They left all the breadcrumbs for how the the document was fabricated. He accidentally and then, called his wife Michael. And then and then the then the Maricopa <laughs> County Sheriff uh, Arpaio or whoever it was gets uh, a bunch of big money comes against him and he and he's not elected the next time around. Anyway, right. this is Barack Obama telling you, you know, well, in a he, sanctimonious manner. There is not a group of people controlling the world. It's far, far too lazy of an explanation. And then he goes on and he says, the truth is, he says, especially when the truth is much scarier than that idea. Julia Roberts, what is the truth? No one is in control. No one is pulling the strings. Sure, there are those like my friend who might have the right kind of access to the right information. But when events like this happen in the world, the best, even the most powerful people can hope for is a heads up. Hmm. Bologna. That's what I have to say to Meanwhile, that. <laughs> some of the most wealthy and most connected people in the world have been reportedly, have been building <clears throat> state-of-the-art shelters in New Zealand and other far corners they're the of ones, the world. They're the ones buying up the pharmaceutical companies, making the vaccines, pretending they were, were manufactured after the COVID outbreak, but really they were pre-manufactured. They're, like Michael Chertoff famously had invested in, Michael Chertoff was the, the first head of Homeland Security after 9-11. And um, he had famously been involved in, okay, not famously, but th- very few people know this stuff, but he, he had been involved in these companies that had built the naked body scanners mm-hmm. before the shoe bomber and the underwear bomber hit the scene. Right. And then, oh, you know, oh, so we have to, we have to have better security. Well, we have a solution for that that right. would, would defeat the shoe bomber or the... Yeah, and, we're gonna, and it's going to be mandated by law that every airport in the world has 30 of them. And oh, by the way, you got to... And they're really expensive. You got to replace them every 15 minutes. Yeah. <clears throat> and here's our... And, and, and by the way... The, the firmware update. By the way, the, the underwear bomber was let on the plane by a very sharp-dressed Indian man. He bypassed the security line. <laughs> And he tried to light those plastic explosives in his underwear with a match, which you cannot do. <laughs> and he looked like he was stoned out of his head. Yeah, there, yeah. Was a, there was an attorney. I, I remember hearing this on InfoWars. There was an attorney from Chicago whose mind was blown. This is like a regular Joe. This is like the Clay Hawk character who becomes a conspiracy theorist because he was standing in line next to the underwear bomber, witnessed everything, and then sees how the news reports it and mm-hmm. says, that's absolutely not what happened, right. I was there, and nobody will listen to me. Nobody cares about this, this sharp-dressed Indian man. I mean, this is the stuff that, this is like, uh, this is like that Skelton, that comedian, I think his name's Charlie Skelton from uh, Great Britain, who went to investigate the Bilderberg, m- annual Bilderberg meeting, 
to make fun of it. Right. Ends up getting his life threatened, shot at, <laughs> chased by the guards, thrown out, and realizes, right. yes, there is a massive cabal. And they do meet all the time in secret. Well, and out in the open. They call it uh, Davos. COP28. Davos. Davos. Or um, climate repentance. Or the G20 or the right. G7 or whatever. They're meeting some, all the time. And I think a lot of those people, and it, it maybe Barack Obama is so is low enough on the totem pole that he thinks like, Oh, the best that you can ask for is a heads up. Well, they brought both him and Hillary into Bilderberg before the 20, 2008 election, and they picked him. Right. And there, there are people... That's right. documented. He was at Bilderberg. And, and something like this in the movie, it's, it's, it would have to be orchestrated. They, you know, Danny, the, the prepper conspiracy guy, says it was the Koreans. They're like, oh, why do you think it was the Koreans? He's like, well, just trust me, it's the Koreans or the Chinese. I don't know the difference. You know, they make him out to be an idiot. And then he mentions uh, the the flyer, the pamphlet. Yeah, he says his buddy in San Diego got one of these pamphlets because they show him the pamphlet with the death to America, the Arabic. Mm-hmm. He's like, huh, my, my buddy in San Diego got one of these, but it was all in Korean or Chinese. I don't know the difference. Now, look, I can't read Chinese or Korean. But they're very different looking characters. And it's like, <laughs> anyway, he, la- he laughs it off like, ah, it doesn't matter. It's yeah. all going to hell anyway. Right. So, anyway, so okay. do, well, who does Danny represent? Since we're talking about Danny, then he's, he's the MAGA guy, right? He's, he's MAGA. He's the you're not with the New World Order agenda to secure the systems of the world and, and right. to destroy the. Anyone who opposes us, the, the the people who aren't into the wars, you know, this American security state needs to be uh, propped up, supported, invested yeah, in, you know, the, the neocons, I think right? The, like we should be bombing North Korea right now. I think the, uh, the most unbelievable thing about Danny is that he would live on Long Island. I don't know if there's anybody on oh, Long yeah. Island like that. And I think Long Island might be a little more I'm sure there's some conservative than, say, Manhattan, but... I'm sure yeah, there's he, plenty he of represents, rich people bunkers. He probably represents, you know, the middle America, Mountain West, kind of typical flyover, bitter, Bible-clinging, gun-toting, ignorant, racist. You know, he's me and you. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, he, you know, he's the... And, and, and he's vindicated in his preparation and his conspiracy theories, at least for a time. We, his fate is unknown in, in the film. Yeah, he's sort of vindicated until you, until you get to the speech by GH. It's like you got it. Are you with me? You know, right, right. you don't want to be like that jerk. Right. You're a real person, Clay. You're the nice guy, the good guy. Right. And and you have these failings. You wouldn't you wouldn't help the Hispanic lady, but but you're with us, right? Yeah. Yeah. You're 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 not gonna you're turn not, on me. And it's you're like, not racist, are you? Well, and it's like it, let's say Clay wasn't with George. What's Clay gonna do? He's unarmed. He's weak physically, and George is a very strapping, in-shape guy. He mm-hmm. obviously knows how to use a gun. I mean, when he pulls the gun on Danny, it's it's like a cop move. He knows what he's doing. Where in the real world, someone would try fumble, to fumble for it. Probably try to pull that out of your waistband. It's that's hard to do in a nice, quick, smooth motion. And while he's fumbling for it, Danny just blows his head off. You know, have I said? <laughs> yeah, have I said this before though on the on the on the show? 
every time a gun is pulled in the movies, there's a click. Like you pull the gun, it's a click. Like it sounds like it's been cocked right. or the slide's been racked. And right. then when you when you're serious, there's another click. Like when you really want to, because they'll have a discussion. Right. They'll be they'll be discussing why they shouldn't like shoot each the other. Hammer back getting, with their yeah. thumb. And then they'll pull the hammer back, or they'll or there'll be another click. Like. Like I'm serious. Right. I'm gonna shoot you. And sometimes there's three or four clicks, which is so yeah, the, silly. The gun sound effects in the movies aren't aren't super realistic. Nor oh, the it, ways that people, like a, a slide on a on a good pistol is, it takes a little effort to pull that back. Oh yeah, that's not something you're gonna do without extensive training. You're not gonna reach to your right hip with your left hand, draw the gun, and rack that slide in one motion. Now maybe you've already got the a chambered round. Some people do train for that. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's yeah. some cool trainings that regular old people like me and you can go and do mm-hmm. and uh, learn how to shoot under stress, how to move, how to clear a room. Right. The idea is you either learn how to, to rack that slide quick or you chamber around mm-hmm. and walk around with a chambered round with the safety on. Hopefully if you've got a shotgun pointed at you and you're not going to draw a weapon without extensive training, in, in any sort of uh, uh, composed way, especially you're not going to, your hands are going to be shaking. You try to rack a well, slide, you try to you, chamber around. You got a shotgun on you. You don't make any sudden moves. <laughs> no. <laughs> See, Danny wins. Danny's won. He's got the gun pointed on him. But then he, it gets equaled by George pulling the gun. Again, in the, in the real world, he would have fumbled around for that. And Danny just would have shot him. I could see a, I could see a scenario where where Danny yells at him and says, "Hands up!" You know, right. that, that's the way that police are taught. Is you have what they call a command voice, right? And if you want to be um, uh, successful in the apocalypse, you should work on your command voice <laughs> and your commands, like "Stop!" You know, yeah. "Stop!" Don't move. Hands up. Hands up. I will shoot. You know, uh, you know, you, <clears throat> that's a real thing. People, right? People who are not ready for that will stop. They they will pay attention, you know? So George represents Obama. He represents yeah. maybe the establishment. He's got some inside information on the financial world. He's like that mouth in Lord of the Rings, in my opinion. The eye? No, the mouth. Remember how the, the gate opens and then this guy comes out and talks to Ar- oh, Aragorn? Yeah, yeah, Aragorn. I remember that. Excuse me. And he's really ugly in the movie. Yeah, and, yeah. That was um, he's like the mouthpiece of Sauron. I'm a little rusty on my LOTR, but I don't think that's a creation of the books. It might be in like the Silmarillion or something, but yeah, I think that might be a movie thing. But um, okay, go, let's go on. Okay, now. Amanda, uh, we'll, Amanda, Amanda we've, we've talked about Clay GH. We've talked about uh, Danny. Let's talk about the girls. Amanda is just so obnoxious. Is she a Karen? She's an idiot. Is she a Karen? A little bit of a Karen. She's like the... Is she the regular soccer mom? No. Maybe, but... I don't know. Well, there's, just... a phenom- there's a phenomenon now where a lot of women have uh, sown their wild oats as uh, young women. They've had a lot of partners. They uh, have a f- get married with a guy, a Chad or a Tyrone is what they call them. One of these... <laughs> Alpha males. Yeah, but that's not. Clay is not a. Child. No, what I'm saying is they get they get married. They have a couple of kids. Then mm-hmm. they end up with a divorce, and then they marry a B, mm-hmm. somebody like Clay who can provide for them mm-hmm. or supplement it. Um, 
but then they still, you know, they kind of are in control of the relationship. Maybe, I mean, her character is literally like a, a an urban, liberal, successful wine mom. <laughs> She's an alcoholic. She, she hates people. She, she hates says that. Everybody. She hates people. Yeah, she makes a big deal out of that. It kind of saves that's her a life. Big, that's and, actually a part of the movie. I think that's something they right. wanted to say is that they these people hate people. Right. And she, her job is to to lie to people, and she sees how everybody, you know, treats each She's other. She's very jaded. She is, as far as, repre- I mean, I don't know what she represents, because I don't know people in the real world that are really like her, that act like well, her. Well, I, I think she represents uh, a segment of women, like the feminist, yeah, a section of the feminist movement that, you know, is just not happy. Right. Well, I think that's. A, I think there are a lot of people, maybe m- more women than men. Although I think men are unhappy for different reasons, but the fe- I think modern feminism makes people who engage in that or or immerse themselves into it. It makes them miserable. I mean, you just look at some of these these feminists on TV and stuff. They're just angry all the time, and I don't know that that's something. <laughs> that they would want to point out in this movie, but, and, and, and Julia Roberts doesn't come across or Amanda doesn't come across as a, as an overt feminist. I mean, she has kids. She cares about them. I I think the family, I think in Barack Obama's world, Clay and Amanda represent just your normal American family. Like in his mind, that's what that's what just... That's who everybody is. That's who everybody is. You know, it's a white... They drive a Jeep Grand Cherokee. Yeah, they're white. They, they, go, they it, go to rich people's homes for vacation. Yeah, they have, they have decent jobs, but they're not in the upper, upper class, right? They're middle, upper class. They really don't own any property. They have a couple of kids. Home. They care about... They got them. a mortgage on their home. You know, uh, Clay says something like, oh, yeah, vacation. Yeah, with the kids. That'll be great. Like, they're, I think they're just normal people now... Amanda's obviously jaded. She's bitter. Maybe that's because, you know, society is is broken her down because she's a woman or something. Maybe I, they just wanted know, to show a, that white racists people are not happy. Yeah, or maybe they're just accidentally racist. They don't really know they're racist or, you know, just they're just racist because they're white and they don't when, know when, any better. When they have a, a dear <laughs> congregation shed moment with a black, a young black woman, they will come out of it. <laughs> So yeah, I I found Amanda just there's a there's a scene where Amanda is with George and they're listening to music and they're drinking wine and they start to dance. Oh yeah, then it gets all romantic. And then it, and then I'm thinking they're not gonna because let's remember George is a guy who's mourning the very recent like potential loss moment, of his potential loss of his wife. Yeah, and and you've got uh, Clay outside Clay's with the daughter Ruth. Yeah, who asks him some inappropriate questions and right? Present, it's like who's who's the oversexed one here? They present her as this like, you know, this bombshell pinup doll type because both. Well, they want to sell you the idea that that somehow Clay is would want to get in bed with her, right? And 
Well, she even says she's, that. She's he the one. To. He's not going to because he's a better guy than that. But he wanted to. But she's the one that <laughs> she's the one that's initiating that. Like right. the problem is, it's in reality, it's her. Yeah. Clay. Maybe we'll get to Clay, Clay here. In a Clay minute, is but, not even thinking right. <laughs> about that. And this that scene where, where Amanda and George are dancing, and you think they're going to kiss. Or These are going on simultaneously. Yeah, that's why we're yeah. talking about them simultaneously. It's just kind of like this is right after the whole. Um, no one's in control. Right. And it's such a dumb scene because, again, this is not how people would act in this kind of level of crisis. Okay. You have George who's, George witnessed a plane fall out of the sky. It almost landed on him on top of another plane that had already crashed yeah. and everyone was I can guarantee you, yeah, a type yes. A like George is making plans right now. He is marshalling the troops. He is saying, here's what I know. And you guys work for me. We are now going to do X, Y, Z because we are, we are moving ahead right. in the apocalypse. And we haven't explained this, but watching planes fall out of the sky would be a very sombering reality check for George because his wife is supposed to be on a plane from Morocco coming yeah. home from an art dealer. Yeah. Art dealer deal it's not the first plane he he sees right. a second plane right. fall in the you know and so here's this guy who realizes his mom or his wife is gone yeah ruth realizes her mom is gone they understand this on top of that trauma the world is being it's under attack it's under attack literally yeah. and they're in the basement thinking about having an affair while not, Clay's not, upstairs. Not really intentionally. Right. They're drunk. Yeah, and Clay, they, and, Clay's out by the pool with Ruth. And, and I yeah. will say, it, it took this turn, and then they quickly U-turned, which is, from a storytelling yeah. perspective, the whole thing was absurd anyway. But well, they kind of started said, dancing, you know. Yeah, and then like, he's like, I, we're drunk. He's like, I have a wife, I think. I love her. And, and they... You know that that kind of goes the separate ways, and but it's just a dumb scene because again, that's not people aren't going to turn on jazz music and dance in that situation. How does that advance the plot? It doesn't. Well, it does in the sense that or the message. It it shows these two people that distrust each other, and the main conflict is always between George and and Amanda, right? Right. And George is always the reasonable guy, just trying to win the trust of this angry racist white woman. Clay's kind of the stoner, just whatever. Everything's cool, man. Do we want to talk about Clay? Yeah, well, we kind of hit on him a little bit what what do you think is he the regular guy now the guy that disney and all the media outlets have convinced us the the inept father no because i don't think he's inept he's just well, he can't he find can, the town well he's in he's he admits he's useless he is useless in a practical sense but he's not he's he seems like he's a good dad he cares about his kids i mean the whole episode of danny is him he's got a successful job yeah, he's a professor. He's able to negotiate a truce with Danny. He, he gives yeah. a speech that calms down. You know, he solves racial tensions with a speech. <laughs> yeah. But he's he's physically weak. His knowledge of the world is based on books and things. So, like, um, he knows that there's an oil tanker because he, he read it. Or he, he says something like, yeah, I think there's a power plant near here. I read it in the Atlantic. 
Uh-huh. Or and then he says something else like, "Oh yeah, in the in the uh, in Scientific American or whatever the title is, he he's a book learned guy, which is mm-hmm. fine. It's college professor. He he he's versed in mythology. He's like, oh, seeing a deer is a good omen, at least in in, in my in tradition. Of course, it's not a good. Yeah, he's omen got all these story. tidbits of information. But when the you know S H T F, right? That's an acronym in the prepper world. <laughs> When the stuff hits the fan, that's he's what it means. Mostly useless. He he doesn't know. He does fill the bathtub full of water because he read in an article that that's what you do. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, he's just. I think he just kind of represents maybe the educated class, the professor class, who maybe maybe if if we're putting this all on Barack Obama, and again, I haven't read the novel. But maybe Barack Obama's saying, you know, you, you professors are, you've served out your purpose in brainwashing everybody and, and miseducating all the youth of the world. You're going to all get lined up and shot in the apocalypse anyway, but thank you for your service. <laughs> well, it's, it's interesting. While, while they're downstairs dancing, he's out with Ruth by the pool vaping, right? Mm-hmm. They're smoking something. Right. And I'm not, it might be... THC. I think they say I, marijuana or yeah. something, but but the, then a flock of flamingos flies in and and breaks <clears throat> up their conversation, and <clears throat> it's really weird. And during this time, where are the kids? Well, they're going to bed. They're asleep. Well, there's the there's that... a little bit of interplay between Rose and Archie. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, you're, never, just... you're never going to see friends, and and then Archie's trying to jack off using pictures he's taken of Ruth. Yeah, it's it's uh, weird. It's just weird. Let's talk about Archie for a minute because he he represents to me the uh, um, the young American white male who has had his teeth pulled, his teeth fall <laughs> out. Right. He's been defanged. The, the, it really, you know, he's been distracted and defanged. I think that's an intentional. Mm-hmm. There, there's no reason to have his teeth fall out. It's it's weird. It's a weird thing to do. Right. Well, and to have him be so effective, but nobody else even feels sick. From the radiation, yeah, and he, it's, he's essentially a non. He's not effective. He's not a an operative part of the situation. He's just he's in the back seat along for the ride. He's completely Literally. he's completely impotent. That's I mean that's what it's saying. He can't he can't even jack off. He can't. <laughs> is that even is that okay to say that on a family program? Right. He can't even get the job we'll done. He can't get the job done, and his teeth fall out. So he's. He's completely impotent. That's right. what they're saying about the young white man. Right. Yeah, he's just along for the ride and uh, needs needs everyone around him to, to save him. Yeah. How about Rose? I, you know, maybe she's the typical young white girl, you know? She just wants to see what happens at... With friends. Just wants her TV show, yeah, she, the, the whitest TV show in, in history. Yeah, she and Ruth, I'm not sure I quite understand exactly what they're doing there, except f- kind of furthering the story. Yeah, Ruth, like I said in the beginning, Ruth is just so unlikable. Like, I, I can understand a well-made character, <clears throat> like a good villain people relate to. Like, people love Darth Vader. He's a good villain. He's cool. Ruth is just obnoxious, and I don't think anybody, any of the, no one in the audience is going to relate to Ruth. 
Well, I think there's <clears throat> there's a segment of uh, uh, young Hispanic, black, minority types of uh, girls that have been taught through media that they're supposed to act like that. They're supposed right. to act really obnoxious. Right. And, and you owe me everything. Um, did did you see that? Did we talk about the article on hoflation? Because it's it's not just a it's not just a minority thing. It's something that's happening, I think, to a lot of women across the spectrum. The idea that men are not as interested in having a partner anymore because it's becoming too expensive, both culturally and mm-hmm. uh, financially. Because women expect the world of the guy; they expect to be swept right. off their feet, and it's an interesting phenomenon. There's I've seen a few clips. These are these like. <clears throat> kind of man on the street style interviews, and I always take those with a grain of salt. Because, sure, because how many people did they talk to before they actually right. got that clip? But a lot of times, <clears throat> you'll you'll have a guy and he's got the microphone and everything, and he's at a, you know, he's downtown or wherever, and, and where there's a place where there's going to be a lot of young single women, and he'll ask them things like, "How much does a guy need to make in order for him to that you you know in order for you to date him?" As if you know, dating this person, it's implied, right? It's, it's just implied that she's a catch. That it's an enormous privilege to be able to date this person. Yeah. And the answers are... the Obnoxiously ob- bad. Ob- not like $5 million at least, you know, or a million and a half or whatever. And, the, and these women, and they're all youngish, 20s. They, and the problem is after <clears throat> they get drunk that night, they're going home with some guy that <laughs> well, they, <laughs> they would never have accepted. Yeah, they throw out these numbers and it's like, you live in a fantasy world. You know, or how tall does a guy need to be? Uh, six, six. And he needs to make $500,000 a minute. And he needs to have a body count of zero. I need to be the only one. And it's... By body count, you mean have... Slept partners. with partners. Okay, that's, that's is that another. A ter- that's is that a, a term we're using. That's now? another term that's you know, okay. And and I see these little clips. I don't really seek them out, but you see them if you go down. If you fall into the hole of like scrolling Instagram reels or Twitter and things, these things pop up, and they're really dumb, but they represent. I think, and, and you've you've alluded to this. You have kids in that. We both have kids in that sort of young adult dating phase, and. It's rough out there. Oh, yeah. It's tough to find people that aren't insane. Well, people that, yeah, not only that, but people who share your values. Right. That's even a, even a harder uh, job. And uh, I think with, in, the, in the term of this, this hoflation is an interesting term because it's harder and harder for young men to find women that have both feet on the ground and have their head in, in the real world. But it's, it goes both ways, too, because... Um, the message women are getting is that every man you meet is going to be a racist, sexist, uh, abuse, abusive, you know, uh, crazy person. And then men have these expectations to live up to. Some idiot man, man, some kid's going to hear, well, I, I got to earn $2 million to, to provide for my incredible wife and she's yeah. you know, it's just the so messaging, don't even try the messaging is just horrible and so then so then men end up turning to the internet or virtual reality or uh prostitutes and then women on the other hand there's a real incentive right now for what i've kind of deemed as digital prostitution where they can make literally millions like of dollars cam on, stuff 
on cam stuff and in these websites and these these ladies are making a lot of money i'm sure there's ones that aren't but um it's just sort of it's just sort of a it's a trend in the larger uh sort of collapse of society yeah it is part of the collapse of our society you know it, it doesn't just affect the next generation these are things that affect us right now like the happiness of the young of young people really matters to the stability of society how happy young men and young women are well happy young people are going to be happy together and they're more likely to to date to marry to have families because they enjoy their lives and they want to have kids they want to that's one thing with Clay and Amanda like at some point in their life they were happy enough to have kids <laughs> 16 yeah. and 13 years ago. And, you know, they, they're the typical American family, right? They have two kids, and which, which is just, you know, replacement value, essentially. But, but at some point, they enjoyed their life enough to do that, and they took that risk. And it is a huge risk and gamble to have kids because your life will never be the same. And No refunds, no well, returns. Your job's a joke. <laughs> You're broke. <laughs> You're broke. <laughs> and... The kids nowadays, as depicted in this film, like th those are not happy kids. And I'm saying aside from the plot points, right? Yeah. They're just, a, they're just the, the kid, Archie's just oversexed, right? He sees girls on the beach and he stares at them for like 30 seconds and they make a big point of that. And, and well, he's, or uh, Rose is just addicted to her shows and he lives in a fantasy world. Yeah, he's sort of oblivious to who he is, you know? Right. It's like he's an animal. I'm going to read a little bit from this. I'm going to link to this Zero Hedge article. It was a Zero Hedge commentary about hoflation. The title is, the title is, Has Feminism and Hoflation Destroyed Dating in the West? And the, and the implications are more dramatic than just dating, but as, as we kind of discussed. But the, just listen to these quotes because this sums it up really well. The word on the street is hoflation. The dramatic increase in cost for men today to maintain a relationship with a woman while the quality of women continues to go down. That's the definition. <laughs> that is to say, it is an increase in female expectations versus what they bring to the table in a relationship. Mm -hmm. Another quote. It should be noted that hoflation seems to be directly linked to progressive influences. And not all women fall into this category. Right? And then it goes <laughs> on to give some statistics about different political ideologies ideologies and who acts the way they act. Dating app research shows that 80% of Western women are all chasing the top 20% or less of men with earning potential being the biggest factor next to physical attractiveness. Right. And then um, this is the wrap-up point, What, f which supports what we were just saying about the angst that's building. What feminism has done, essentially, is hyper-exaggerate women's natural inclination to seek out more productive men, while also hyper-exaggerating their sense of self-worth and making them insufferable. <laughs> yeah, that's Ruth in the film. Yeah, it's uh, Norm explained it in Cheers. One time he sat down uh, at the bar. If you remember Cheers, then mm -hmm. you're in an elite group of people. Oh, yeah. uh, he sits down at the bar, and he says... Women can't live with them past the beer nuts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but th that's 
Ruth in this film, like who would want to date with that? Who would want to who would want to spend their life with a person like that? Well, and I guess like it's that's just, the point is nobody wants to, but they would they want to have sex with her? She wants to have sex with them, right? As long as they're yeah. willing to show her, I, I, show her a good time, spend two hundred dollars on her or something like that. Maybe I, I mean, mean two hundred dollars if you live in Pace in she Utah. Assumes, $600 if you live in New York. She assumes that everybody around her wants that. And obviously, Ar- Archie's just a, a 16-year-old horn dog. Well, she assumes that everybody wants to have sex with her, which right. is the whole basis of her conversation with Clay right, but, by the pool. And it's fine, assume, somewhat fine assuming that with the teenager, right? That the teenager finds her attractive because he's... He thinks that you it kind of hits clay out of left field. There's pull, there's there's pillows on the couch that a teenager finds attractive, but <laughs> right, you know, their their hormones are going crazy. But if clay, you've never been a young man going through puberty, puberty, then you don't understand. Clay, on the other hand, has a pretty wife. He has kids. He's he's a no, no, Clay's wife is Julia Roberts. Right, <laughs> right. She was the she was the main character in the movie Pretty Woman. Right. Okay. Now. And and Clay's probably, Clay's a pretty relatable guy in this film. He's just a guy, just, he likes trying to get along. He likes his job. He likes, he's kind of bookish. He, he's obviously sort of oblivious to any kind of, you know, he's a mainstream. Yeah, he's not very well prepared. But, but he gets his information from the mainstream. He, you know who he is? He's like, he's like Brett Weinstein. He's a guy we've talked about. He has a podcast. He was the guy at Evergreen College who was kicked out, you know, for uh, for uh, going against the gender narrative, right? Okay, if I remember right. And he's he's still either Tucker Carlson did an interview with him recently, and I I, I used to listen to Brett now and again before COVID, right? Mm-hmm. His brother is Eric Weinstein, and he's kind of an interesting guy as well, like a mathematician type, very logical. And I don't always agree with these guys. I remember I, Brett kind of lost me when he was like in the early days of, stages of the pandemic. He's like, yeah, whenever someone comes to the door, I, 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 I put a bandana on over my face. And I was like, oh, gosh. <laughs> but he's an interesting guy. He has some cool ideas. He has some interesting ideas. He has some stupid ideas like anybody, right? Especially anybody in the public sphere who's paid to research and to positive ideas as he is that's his job he's a researcher and a professor but that's kind of like clay is the brett weinstein just a guy mm-hmm. who gets his information from the mainstream and trusts it and meet and then a wake-up call covid and then the gender stuff kind of was a wake-up call for for him in in some regards and he realizes you know what the world isn't always as put together as it seems so he was on with Tucker Carlson very recently, yeah, right? Like, and like he was discussing he was discussing that uh, so he's basically suggesting that there were 17 million deaths from the COVID vaccine. So he's sort of coming out of the, the right, I believe right. the mainstream. But if if I were in a situation where there was, you know, an SHA SHTF situation, would I want Brett Weinstein around? What well, I you want, want you, you know, want somebody that's been aware for a long time. I, I, no, I, I want you know I, I want uh, I want Mike Rowe around. <laughs> that's uh, dirty jobs. jobs and like that yeah. guy's probably he, he he probably knows how to get something working that's broken. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I want uh, you know I, I want people around that have some practical skills and that aren't going to just 
be useless. And I'm not saying Brett or professors are useless in this such a, such a situation, but in the in the we, initial, we have, a, we have a few professors that listen to oh, our I, show. I just know, FYI, I know. I'm saying <laughs> tread, tread lightly. We may lose the remaining audience. In fact, don't we have a professor that lives in in the, the area that this film takes place in? Sort of. Uh, several hours, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm what I'm saying is that I think it would be useful for all of us to, including me, because I'm not the handiest person, to learn a few practical skills, like maybe. Uh, you know, have a generator and know how to hook it up to your power supply or a power supply, you know, like have some lights. Know how to do something with your generator. Yeah. Know how to do something with it and have fuel for it or uh, whatever. Right. And know the best ways to store food and water and uh, how to cook safely indoors on a portable stove or a barbecue or whatever. Right. Mm hmm. How to fix a car. How, one of the things that's never really addressed in this film is uh, the car, they drive around a bunch on the cars. Now, I know they're not going very far, but those cars are going to run out of gas and then they're going to be useless. Yeah. As useless as those Teslas piled up. Right. I do think it's interesting. They give a little head nod to this idea that in a cyber attack situation, you don't Te want a Tesla. Teslas can be made to do whatever we need them to do, whether that's <laughs> shut down or self-destruct or drive themselves off a cliff. Right. Maybe the e-cars aren't the best idea. Right. <clears throat> but a lot of even the regular gas cars today are, are run by computers. I mean, it's, it's rare to find a, a, a truck or a car that, where you can just open up the hood and work on it and fix it. Yeah, a lot. there's there's some things you can do to that, but a lot of it you need to get in there with the software. You need to have the special access and to go in and do software diagno diagnostics, and then the software is the thing that needs to be fixed more so than the engine. Yeah, yeah. As post post 2010, 2009, 10 ish, you started to see a lot of. Um, you know, electronic throttles. So, so I was working on a car. It was, it was a 2009 Corolla recently, and it has what's called an electronic throttle body. So your, your gas pedal doesn't actually physically pull a, a wire or, or move some sort of a mechanism that lets the gas in. It, has, it connects with a computer that turns an electric motor that moves that. Right. And that is a, a situation where something can be interfered with. Now, a lot of those cars will probably be fine from, you know, 2008 to 2015 or whatever, so long as they don't connect to the Internet. Right. But I, um, I've got a vehicle that downloads updates every once in a while from one of the auto manufacturers, and that kind of spooks me because it's like, okay, how much of this car could be well, could uh, they, taken over? Could they work in a in a cyber attack situation or an EMP type situation? Well, what, there's two different problems here. One is the idea that your car works, right? So there, mm. most cars, once you get past like 1970-ish, have electronic ignitions. There's a possibility even a carbureted car might, might have a problem mm -hmm. with some of the wires being fried, right? So if you have a fully mechanical points-driven ignition, that's where a distributor cap um, distributes the, the spark and the coil just gets the energy from the battery. And then uh, there are mechanics that cause the, the choke 
to oh, the, the 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 fuel air mixture is really important important is what I'm trying to say right, on right. A, on an automobile. So in the 70s and 80s, they got better at making more. Um, I guess the word is reliable, more more hardy ignition components, which made those cars start up better and not have to warm up as as long. And they got into fuel injection and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So every, at every step along the way, there got to be more more complicated and smaller components that ended up in the in the system. And that's where an EMP could knock it out and just make it inoperable, right? right. So somewhere in there, there's the possibility that your car with a coronal mass ejection, you know, a CME event, that's a sun, a solar flare type of an event creates an electromagnetic field uh, disturbance in the earth, you know, and, and that that's happened before. There was a big one that happened in the 1800s called the Carrington event, which knocked out a bunch of um, telegraph stations mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. so that's a possibility that we could just have the, the sun just set us back a hundred years but uh a nuclear attack could do that a an emp type of a strike could do that we just don't know we just there's just very little evidence about how how that's going to play out but the the other scenario that you're talking about here and we're we're talking about with cyber attack is what if your car works against you (laughs) (laughs) right it's not that it just doesn't work it works in a way that you don't want it to work. Right. And there have been a few instances where people have died under cer- suspicious circumstances. Did you see the footage of that car that jumped the entry station near Toronto? The, it was a it was a Canada U.S. Yeah, it was going like point. 95 miles an hour. Or something. Yeah, like, like people were just incinerated. And then it just blew up. Yeah. yeah, there was also uh, an instance like 10 or 12 years ago where there was a. Rolling Stone reporter who had had made some allegations against a high-ranking American general or a group of generals, and then his car, <laughs> the throttle stuck open, and he ended up, you know, half a mile down the road in somebody's house after going 100 miles an hour with the car on fire, and he died. Mm-hmm. You know, that doesn't sound normal. accidental, right. normal, right? Right. right. <laughs> But it shows that shows that for a while now, you could hack a car and cause, especially one that's connecting to the manufacturer or has, has some right. sort of. Well, that's, like, that's usually what comes with your car. Is we, we want these these entertainment electronics, but that's where the Trojan horse is. Yeah, and like the Internet of Things, like a fridge that connects to the Internet, is sounds like the most useless thing in the world. We should review iRobot. But where, people want these things and it's like look if it's connected to the internet then it can probably be shut down remotely on the internet and then you don't have a fridge or turned against you remember or an oven. remember irobot will smith where the or a furnace he's in the house of the professor or the ceo or whatever and then the the fully automated demolishing unit next to it starts to destroy the house i've never seen that movie or you've got one called uh ex machina Mm-hmm. Where um, there's a super high tech house run by a billionaire, and a guy gets stuck there, and <laughs> guy gets killed there, and weird stuff's happening. Do you have more lists of symbols? That oh, you okay, we gotta get we gotta get this show, keep <clears throat> this show moving, right? Well, uh, we could talk about the shed. 
we could talk about friends, whether, you know, the movie friends factors into this, or if it's just like you said, a, an exhibition of how overtly white these people are. Well, and just, I think it represents just the, as long as we have our entertainment to distract us, we're willing to watch the world burn as long as we're comfortable. I feel, and, and you have this situation now in the world where the, like the United States of America is being taken over by, uh, call it whatever you want. Some people call it communists. Some people call it, you know, the elite, whatever. But it, Western civilization, especially the United States, is being overrun and infiltrated by forces that, and people and groups of people and ideologies that will destroy the country. There, there's a headline, I think it was Bloomberg, it said, uh, Election, it's an election year, uh, which which means it's a threat to democracy. You know, elections are a threat to democracy. It's like, what? <laughs> and people are pointing out, when they say democracy, they mean... Their, their system the control. The communist system, you know, the, yeah. the neo-communist, the, the cabal, whatever you, your word for it. But the neo-Marxism, the, the, uh, we've used the word... Um, Statism. The statism, but also the um, oligarchy. We've yeah, the used oligarchy. that word a lot. Yeah. It threatens them. Yeah. But if they can keep us distracted, and, and, and the distractions and sort of these things that have kind of led to things we've talked about, like hoflation, like these women that are just useless in the world, have no practical skills, and are just waiting to be taken care of by a wealthy male. Insufferable, I think, <laughs> was the word they used. And on the Do flip you know side, someone who is insufferable? On the flip side, you have, you have men who uh, are growing up without the ability to even be that, that uh, uh, provider. Well, they're... And they, so you're creating... they don't, yeah, they, they, they can't make it happen, so they just punt, and it's like, I'll find my satisfaction somewhere else. And so the, the, what you have is... It's too expensive. What you have is a recipe for disaster where you have a bunch of Archies and a bunch of uh, Ruths, and they're just going to hate each they're other. They're completely incompatible. They're going to hate each other, and nobody's going to be having kids... Men and women are going to just grow. You know, the, the future of men and women is uh, one of angst and uh, resentment and hate, and that will drop the birth rate well, <laughs> and, and allow us to div allow them to divide us further. Yeah. And, and, uh, and then you, you add in all the race and stuff, but these distractions, like, the gender issue, that's a huge distraction. It's, people are devoting their lives to fighting this, and I admire that, but ultimately it's a distraction. It's watching friends while literally outside they're bombing the cities, right, yeah. and taking over this country. It's kind of funny. They mentioned a coup, you know, in the movie. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, they don't need to bomb New York City or other parts of the country to they already got their coup. They, right, these right. types of people, they run the governments of <coughs> the world, not just right. the United States. Right. So if they were going to take it a further up with the, you know, notch it up with a cyber attack or literal bombs, the question would be why and what do they hope to accomplish other than 
maybe a, a prison state, but I think that'd be really hard in the United States just because of the size. Well, that's where we're going to go next. I just wanted to make one comment on the friends. I think the whole friends angle was, it served that purpose. And I, I think what you're saying is really important because really this, this gender war and the destruction of the f- traditional family, not saying traditional in the way you think, but a working family where a man and a woman actually work together and care for each other like and support Clayton each other and have children and uh, have more than just two children, okay? Because you can't replace uh, yourselves unless you have 2.1 children. Clay and Amanda are sort of Chandler and Monica from Friends. Yeah. They're both working people. They got married, have a couple kids. Go on, though. Well, anyway, I'm just saying that 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 that, uh, that really is the root of the destruction of the West is the destruction of the family. It really is. We've destroyed the family. We just we, and it all comes down to uh, the war between the sexes that has been foisted upon us. This wokeness. Uh, we, it's it's our minds have been destroyed. We've been very easily destroyed, and it's been an inexpensive attack. An, inex- an inexpensive, very sustained, prolonged campaign uh, by dark forces against the people of the West, against Christianity, against America, right, and mm-hmm. American values. And I've got some really good comments on that in a minute when we start to talk about cyber attack and whatnot. But I, I do think the whole, even though Friends matters for those reasons, and, and it factors into the story in that way, one of the reasons that it was put in the movie was for the line from the the song, the theme song, which is, so no one told you life was going to be this way. Mm-hmm. I, it ends with that. That, I think, is the exclamation point on the movie. So no one told you life was going to be this way. I think they are, it is, a, it is an announcement. Things are changing. Get used to it. You weren't told about it, but deal with it, you know, because your life sucks anyway. Right. And so I think that's why that's in there. Any comment on the animals before we move on? I don't know. It was it was just weird. Like, like deer don't act like this, and that was the whole point. I don't know. I, I didn't put a ton of thought into that other than it was just kind of, it was just one of these strange, they tried to make this movie sort of a pseudo horror film or suspense mm-hmm. film and they make these deer really ominous and like there's a th- like they they represent a threat to their lives yeah. or something and I, I don't know i don't know maybe if i had to if i had to say something sorry finish your thought right, maybe they re- like you said earlier maybe they represent the regular people and that's where i was going to go with it I, I don't know it's if that's the case then they sort of under delivered on that well, the, the, the oligarchy does look at the people as a herd, mm-hmm. a, a resource that they own and control. And so, uh, so uh, maybe they're looking at it like, okay, it's become a wild resource, but yet they're still, you know, all these things are going to cause them to behave in a way where it's like, they, they just, I mean, they don't really, except for the fact that they congregated around these right. these people who, uh, if, if this is the case that they intended this, they are the controllers. You have the Barack Obamas, and then the sub-managers, the middle managers mm-hmm. who are Clay and Amanda. If that's the case, they congregate around them and they threaten them just by their presence and they must be scared away. So at one point at the shed, right, Amanda and Ruth are there and this big alpha buck 
emerges, right? He's right. he's big. He's bigger than all the rest. His antlers are bigger. He's obviously the guy in charge. Are you telling me that all it takes to scare away and and uh, disempower uh, an alpha member of the herded masses is just a couple of uh, screaming obnoxious women. screaming feminists? So far, that is so far that has worked. <laughs> Now, those guys are coming out of the woodwork and asserting more influence in the media sphere. Yeah, those are people which is, like uh, Jordan Peterson. Which is why the cyber attack is imminent. And that's why, I, I, again, I have to ask myself, if I really believe it, why am I right. not, not preparing better? But, but the control of information is critical. And I've got a couple of quotes from this article called, uh, it's the top one on Zero Hedge today. I've seen this book. And this guy that uh, I believe his name's David Webb. Um, he's been talking about. Let's see, David Webb. Yeah, just want to make sure you get his name right because David Webb is also the name of the real Jason Bourne. <laughs> Sometimes things like that get bouncing around in your head, and you you got to check yourself, right? But you remember that? It was David Webb, right? Uh, in uh, the Bourne identity? I don't remember. Yeah, he, the, uh, they finally tell him that's his real identity because the whole, the whole story is about the, he can't figure out who he really is. Right. Um, anyway, the, David Webb wrote this, wrote this book called The Great Taking, and there's some great quotes in it, which I'll get to in a second. But uh, his, one of the assertions was, and, and it's uh, the article that I'm reading from, is uh, it's by Bert Oliver via the Brownstone Institute, who's mm-hmm. come to be a pretty good comment uh, source for commentary. Right. Jeffrey these Tucker, days. yeah, heads that up. Yeah, so so anyway, he he makes the assertion that uh, for the last hundred years, maybe more, that the oligarchy has been able to assert control in a very inexpensive way with, without expending a lot of energy because mm-hmm. they've been able to control the information, right? To control your minds. It's cheaper to control your minds than it is to physically exert control. Mm-hmm. It costs a lot of money to physically exert control, a lot of effort, a lot of material expended, a lot of destruction or whatever. Well, so people he, are more likely to resist that yeah, than well, they are just being brainwashed by CNN or Fox News. Well, yeah, they're, they're definitely very easily controllable when they're willing to go along with it, right? right? When they believe in it. And so this is interesting because this uh, Bert draws that out of um, the book that David Webb wrote called The Great Taking. And, he, and David Webb is a financial analyst, and he wrote this book. It's not very long. I haven't read it, but I, I watched his little documentary that he put out on the subject. And he describes the changes in the legal system that are going to allow the oligarchy to actually make it so you own nothing <laughs> within right. 10 years if there's, a, if there's a collapse. Like legally, they, right. the, the secured creditors get the the stuff, not you, not the banks. Everything collapses. They own it all. And he shows the legal mechanisms that are in place already to do that and explains how this might go down. But anyway, Bert Oliver does a good job summarizing. I haven't read the the book. It might be worth it. My point is this, this guy, Webb, and his great taking has popped up on Zero Hedge and in a few other places. I've, I've seen it like seven, eight, nine times now people commenting on it, people having said, hey, there's something here. You know, some people saying there's, you know, arguing that it's not accurate, but it looks, you know, I got to do some more research, but I think it, 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 
it looks like pretty astute commentary from what I've what I've seen. And so, the last two questions, I, we keep going on and on here. We're doing a bonus marathon episode for everybody <laughs> for the kickoff of 2024. Uh, the two things we need to talk about are cyber attack question mark the actual effects of a cyber attack and total collapse. What would look what would that look like and what would cause that? Because that's what this movie portends. I I just want to throw out the idea that. Whatever happens, it will be long and grinding. It will play out over a matter of years. Remember, World War II played out over a matter of four years if you're an American. And if you're uh, somebody in the affected countries like Czechoslovakia, it was more like eight, nine years. You know, Austria, Germany. This was a long, drawn-out conflagration. And so we, we can't... So I guess that's my commentary on what would total collapse look like. Is it's going to be grinding and long and drawn out, maybe over a period of, of six or ten years. But what are the types of things that happen along the way? So so back to you, Bobby. Cyber attack. Um, what would that really look like? A cyber 9-11? Because the way it's pitched in Leave the World Behind is everything goes down. At least in their region, right? <clears throat> they have this map on the TV screen in the show. In, in like the New York metropolitan area oh, it was, was dramatically affected. Yeah, but in the Midwest and in West, it's not. And let us let us not forget, New York was dramatically affected by nine eleven. Right, and the rest of us suffer because of the repercussions of them get, being attacked. We weren't attacked. Somebody spent some time. Some graphic designer spent some time on this map. Like it's only on the screen in the film for like. Yeah, three I seconds. paused it for a minute and looked at it. But it's, they took some time. The metropolitan areas are heavily affected, whereas everywhere else is kind of moderately affected. <clears throat> what that means is anybody's guess, right? Or right. moderate to low. I don't know how you get low disruption caused by an attack. You either have the internet or you don't. Well, that's the question. <laughs> what, what is the cyber attack, right? Like they, they had a power outage. Mm -hmm. And... Is, We've seen internet outages before. They don't. They may take down a a bunch of websites, but they don't take everything down. They may right. take down a, a credit card processor, but we if, haven't we haven't if, seen anything where the internet itself has shut down. If we're talking about cyber attack in the terms of all the all like in the movie where you can't get on the internet at all, you can't get to the TV at all, you can't use your cell phone at all. It would take about. 10 minutes before everyone realized, well, I have, you know, I'm completely cut off. And I think there would be panic, especially if it went on for a day or two or three. By the third or fourth day, I don't know that people are just going to be running around in the streets. I think what you would see is people would hunker down in their safe places, in their homes or wherever they were. They would try to get in their cars and drive home. They'd get lost, like... <laughs> on the way home. Right. <laughs> But you might have some, like, I, I think the interstates, <clears throat> those aren't, there's not a lot of stoplights on the interstate, right? And I think that would, people would be able to travel those. I think there would be a phase of sort of emergent order. Like, we've all been out and about when a stoplight goes down. You're talking about if the internet totally went down. Yeah. It's not a, it's not unrecoverable. Like, what, what, what about like, but, but we're, we're highly dependent on credit cards. That's the thing. If, if commerce slows down, I could see some repercussions, but I, I had an instance where a young lady I knew, or I know, 
recently their card processing went down for a few hours or all day or something like that. And they just wrote down the credit card numbers. They like actually human trust actually kicked in Right. and they started taking, they kept doing transactions, but by paper. So I think you'd have a a short period of emergent order while, where people are like, okay, this is just going to be fine. Like people taking credit cards on paper. Yeah. But checks have always worked. After a minute, you know, after a little while, when people needed to go back to grocery stores and things. You're talking about three or four days in. Yeah. Then you start, it's when people can't get food that Mm -hmm. chaos starts to to erupt. When you can't go down to the grocery store and get what you need, then it's like, well, we have to live on what we have in the house. And most people, even without food storage, anything like that, probably your typical American family could live for a week on what's in the house. There's plenty of, you could probably just find flour and at least make flour and water, right? Again, assuming the water's running, that's another big mm-hmm. factor. Not a lot of people are going to store enough water. I think we, we think, I think we vastly underestimate. And obviously, bathing and things like that would be the first things to stop. Mm-hmm. But why would the water but, shut down? Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, if the water's still running, that would prolong things. It, it depends on like in such an attack, how much, how, how quickly do they want to, right. What's critical infrastructure was critical infrastructure, uh, affected. And yeah, let's be clear. It will be the cabal that creates this chaos. They, the problem is that they need full control of information. They need to totally control what you see because it's cheaper for them to control you that way than I think, via full-on force. I don't think there would be a complete outage. Maybe for a short period of time, to sort of like two weeks to slow the spread. Like we all lock down for two weeks just so we know how serious they are about this, right? So maybe a week or so of things just being completely down. But then they would bring back up certain things like you could go and spend money at the grocery stores. The trucks would keep running to keep our food, you know, bread and circus, Right. Right, And then they would have certain websites and certain channels on TV would be allowed or, or we've restored uh, a section N- of the internet. NBC has been restored. Right. And you could get on NS, you could get on CNN.com and NBC.com. And, but Fox and, News' uh, servers are continue to be affected. Right. By the, the Murdoch family has been. And X is right. down. Twitter is down. <clears throat> right. Uh, Elon Musk refuses to cooperate or something. and he, is, uh, he won't allow people to use his satellites. So you think it would affect everybody? Because there's the possibility that there's just an outage like in New York or yeah, in eastern yeah, they, states. And then they do the 9-11 thing to us. They shut everything down right. for the sake of, uh, you know, there might be other terrorists. Right. Or, or, they, or they don't even shut it down. They just say there was this massive outage. And then we need a digital ID. We need a central bank currency because you don't want to have that kind of an outage again because right. all the people in New York were affected. I guess I should go and look closer at Cyber Polygon, the game they played. And yeah, see, that's a good point. See how they roll it out and what their solutions were. But I think it would be virtually... It, there, there's no way that you could shut the entire internet down across the entire country without massive planning. Because they're not, it's not all just one thing. I know people have talked about a kill switch. That takes a lot of cooperation from some of these service providers and these companies that host 
various, you know, big sites like Amazon. So I, a more localized thing like New York City or L.A. or something where they can really highly publicize it. I mean, that's what they did with COVID, right? New York City got hit so hard and uh, we got it with hospitals and everyone's well, dying. It turns, it turns out there are actually... It used to be that the internet was really redundant and very spread out. But, yeah. but there's a lot of um, there's a few companies networks and companies. It's it's been narrowed down to a few choke points. And right. there's these things called content delivery centers or networks. Right, right. Uh, I, I was I'm trying to remember what I was reading, but there it's, was uh, a, it's there was an explanation showing it's that the, Alt Market talks about those. Brandon Smith. Oh, yeah, it was Brandon market. Smith. Was he talking about that? Yeah. Uh, it, the point was that in 2019, we had one of these outages that took down Amazon for, mm-hmm. for a full 20 minutes, 20 minutes which cost him like $5 million right. in sales. So these, these content delivery networks are actual choke points, and the big, the big telecommunication companies are actual choke points. And the news on the street amongst the tech guys is that, yes, the government has been in there and put their boxes right. in between you and the rest of the world, essentially. Right. So they could do it, but it would still create a lot of, it would, it, they would need to, there would need to be a lot of planning involved. It's not like one, like the, the movie like never. T- you, you mean like you know, maybe. Coordination, um, I guess. Is yeah, but you mean like maybe coordinating the stand down of American forces and also coordinating the rigging of two skyscrapers with uh, <laughs> explosives right, or, th- right. or three skyscrapers. I mean, there, there's this has happened before, guys. And the, the the movie Leave the World Behind never really explains who or what or how it happens. It just it happened, and here's the the human drama that plays out with these miserable contrived characters. Yeah. Well, so anyway, I, I think it will be more, I'm, I'm, I'm vacillating between whether I think the whole place is going to go down or whether we're just all going to suffer because New York got a bloody nose again. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Well, that's, that's what they do. They use New York to punish us all. <laughs> yeah. I think it might be worse this time. It might be uh, it might be worse. I think there's going to be financial repercussions. Well, there would be ma- there would be massive financial disruption. They need an internet Pearl Harbor, but they, but it can't just be a. I mean, how many of us? They need they need us to get mobilize for war. Is what I'm saying. They need us to give them the 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 keys. How many of us are paid by our employer through the internet? Over over the financial ACH networks. When's the last time bank transfer? Next, you know, when's networks? the last time you got a paycheck that was actually a check? When's the last time you got paid in cash? Right. Um, you know, the, the most of our money is just digital. It's just ones and zeros. It's a it's a number on a screen. So you're imagining commerce shuts down. There's a lot of losers, people who are deemed un, uh, just like in COVID, non-essential. Mm-hmm. And then the scene at the supermarket is one of rationing and lines. And well, supermarkets n- not a, not everybody has uh, everything in stock. Kind of like kind of like COVID. Only though, a supermarket would be overrun and looted, and that's where the first bodies would probably end up 
being left behind unless that supermarket can afford like third party security you'd have to have security there the cops wouldn't do it you mean, but I, you, what you're saying is they won't let it get that far because they'll ration it out. They'll, they might they'll, let it they'll, get that they'll far. Put, they'll put some sort of, they'll have the supermarkets that they care about put some sort of uh, measures in place so that they can they can get the food out, they but might, it's not what you want. They might let it get that far in certain places just to tell you how serious they really are. We mean it. You know, like... Not at your local supermarket. Well, just one on TV? Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe it's all... You know, fake. Maybe it's all a, a, a film, <laughs> but they make you think it's real because they, like they did with COVID, right? Like the the Chinese people dying in the streets. It's pretty well accepted that it was all just staged and fake. Right. So, like in the aftermath of nine eleven, and in the aftermath of the underwear bomber, what you get is a bunch of buzz right after the event, a, an initial shock, a bunch of shutdowns, and then there's talk afterwards. Like they they slowly open up. They so, sort of solved the problem, but then they've got to fix. Mm-hmm. They got to keep that from ever happening again. So you must give up your rights. So you go to the, you can go to the grocery store, but you can't buy beef. But you can get cricket protein, stuff like that. Huh? And you can't get, you know, uh, maybe you can get white rice and your cricket protein, but you can't get junk food. Maybe once in a while they have junk food. If your social credit score is good enough, uh, maybe uh, maybe once in a while you can get some cigarettes. I mean, it's 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 1984, right? We have mm-hmm. increased the ration of chocolate. So you think they can do that without a war? You think they can do that just with um, a cyber attack? They could do it with a cyber attack because there's going to be a lot of people out there saying, "Look, we we know how to handle this. Let's just write checks. Well, we don't have to do this over the internet." But no, no, they just the 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 retail places just say, well, we don't take checks. They just not accept them. But they're going to have to because the, the rational people are going to say, well, we know how to do this. The bank takes checks. We take checks. Right, but what they'll say is, well, the, these are no good anymore. Don't they have to have your bank fail? Isn't that the idea? Yeah, that's, is- well, that's what would happen in a real cyber attack, a real th- an event where it, like the, the money that we all have now in the bank would go away because those records would get, could, could conceivably get wiped. That's the that's the premise of the series iRobot is they attack the data storage centers right. so that nobody has any record because it's been 10 years since we did anything on paper. And we found this out with the uh, housing crisis in 2008 that a lot of these mortgage companies didn't keep good records anyway. Right. It was all electronics. So, so if they destroy the electronic infrastructure that, and, and we can't figure out who has what, then... All bets are off. Yeah, you, you could show up to your bank with a, a, a printed account statement and say, no, look, here's my account number, and look, here's the amount in my account. I would like to get that. And they would just say, that doesn't exist. Well, according to David Webb, the guy that wrote about uh, the great taking, he says, no, what they would say is, well, it doesn't matter. This this bank is in bankruptcy. Right. And that money, that money but, goes to your secured to the secured creditors of the bank, not you. Well, or they just say, "I know that that's the number on your account sheet, on your balance sheet, on your statement." But we have no way to pull your account up because the computers are done. But also, we don't even have the cash here. Even if right. we did, and we want, and we could give you the money, we don't have the cash because banks don't operate 
like that anymore. Well, I remember, I know somebody that was working at a bank during the Silicon Valley banking crisis, and I know they were told what, what kind of a, that they had to put on a smile and make everybody feel like everything was fine uh, right after that. I know because I went and withdrew some cash from the bank and asked, and they were like, oh, no, everything's fine. But I knew that that wasn't the case because right. I had this insider telling me how they were all told to act. Right. And um, I asked some questions that were pointed and the, the woman was just very polite and like almost overly in, um, mm-hmm. positive because during COVID they had limited cash withdrawals. They right. had said, you know, well, previously it was... Well, the, the virus spreads via cash. Well, yeah, but like they previously, you know, there was no limit. They might say, oh, well, we, we might need a couple of days to get that in. Mm-hmm. But they have actually imposed like a $5,000 limit every right. three days during COVID. If somebody were to go to a local branch of a bank and do an old style bank heist, you know, like in the West. Oh, Coast, they'd be really disappointed. They'd probably walk out of there with 3000 bucks or something. <laughs> like there's, there's not a lot of cash yeah. on hand. And we've said it, we're on the record over and over and over on this program, on this program, program, programming you. Programming you. We've said it multiple times that the the last step to complete control is the central bank digital currency or equivalent, right? GovCoin. Yeah. Because then they, they control everything. They control what you buy, how much of it you buy. They control your access to anything and everything. Oh, you uh, you didn't vote. We noticed you didn't vote in the last election, Jordan. Your GovCoin is suspended for a month <laughs> and also docked. You will now, instead of three f- GovCoins a month, you will receive 2.8. A fine of uh, one GovCoin has been assessed against your account. Right. You can, your monthly allotment will increase to the standard after six months of good behavior. Click here if you would like to appeal the decision. Yeah, and then you click there, and it, it just shows a picture 404 of... 404, not found. It shows a picture of a hand with the middle finger extended. Yeah. Like, but we, we kind of laugh and joke about it, but... That's, that's the what, thing. That's what it'd be. You, you want to get in your car and go down to the store and get anything... The car, your car wouldn't start if you weren't in good standing. Well, that's the full extent of you it, wouldn't right? Get it, you wouldn't get allowed into the store if your social credit score is too low or if you have a, a you know, a, a probation. Sure. That's where they want to take it. See, I'm just concerned about but, the chaos that's going to ensue when these, <clears throat> these first steps happen because they need to regain control of the information. So therefore, I think they're going to try a cyber 9-11 mm-hmm. before they go full on war. But I think yeah. it's going to lead to full on war because these people are all uh, kleptomaniac, narcissistic uh, psychopaths, and they're not all on the same page. They're all trying to take from each other, and it's going to get so grabby that physical, Mm -hmm. kinetic war stuff is going to fly. Right. And and I I, I think that's where we're headed, but I don't think it happens before the society experiences some really crazy stuff like a cyber attack. Um. So I think we're kind of in agreement here, not that we're deciding actually what's going to happen. We're just <laughs> postulating, but that this is going to grind, right? But you're going, to see, you're going to see some sort of an event that changes things, like the movie uh, portends, like well, it, it predicts, essentially. It's 2024. It's an election year, and we're being seeded with the idea that elections are detrimental to democracy. Like... <laughs> 
It's like saying democracy is a threat to democracy. Well, it's like saying CO2 is a threat to the environment. Right. Or you uh, are a threat to the I, I, environment. I was looking at some flights, uh, you know, contemplating taking a trip. And um, it's now, Google Flights is now advertising to me that this flight saves this many pounds of CO2, which is how much <laughs> 400 trees consume in a year. And I'm going, so if I take this flight, I'm going to choke out 400 trees? Like 400 trees won't get the CO2 they need? <laughs> I mean, it's literally that it's, bad. It's it's just that that's part of their advertising. Well, that's that's friends, right? It's just it's just an it's a cause du jour for people to <clears throat> to you know replace their religion with. That it's just another mechanism to distract people, to scare people, and to and to use to control people, right? It's right because it's incredibly dangerous to our democracy, right? But I think one of the issues, one of the things <clears throat> that could take place is the suspension of the 2024 election, where they say, under the circumstances, you know, all, all individual rights may be reasonably restricted during extraordinary circumstances for a time for the benefit of the greater good. Yeah. Who said that? Uh, yeah. Anyway. Um, Google it. But... <laughs> But what they could say is, you know, given the circumstances with the recent cyber outage and the disruption in the banking industry and the financial turmoil that it caused, we have determined that the the virus, the cyber virus, the computer virus also infected many voting machines throughout the country and our so ability to our our ability to to vote and to count votes and Given the dire circumstances, we must suspend the 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 twenty twenty four presidential election, and in light of that, we will the presidency will fall to the newly appointed UN Council of Government. <laughs> I don't know if they could get, or something, get away right? with that. Well, they could get away with anything they want. Like in two thousand nineteen, if we were doing this show and we said they're going to shut down the economy. They'll say it's two weeks, and then it'll be two years. And yeah. if we had laid out all of the COVID stuff, and we we would have said we would have joked and said, "Yeah, they're gonna put they're gonna put arrows in the in the shopping uh, in the aisles of the grocery stores and turn the aisles into one way uh, corridors." So we didn't pass each other and get the virus. Like well, we would have just laughed, and, and we laughed went along with that. Well, I didn't. I know, but we, as a society, yeah, basically had, allowed that to happen. They had stickers on the floor that showed the arrows, but also six feet apart stickers, the 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 plexiglass. There's still some of these places that have plexiglass. Yeah, which and, was determined to actually have increased COVID. But anyway, <laughs> statistically. But my point being, the absurdities that we lived through and are still living through with the, the pandemic would have seemed unfathomable just a, a six right, months right, before it happened right. so uh, they can get a covid was a way for them to test what can we get away with and they're yeah. like holy crap we can get away with a the lot. entire world wore masks the entire world wore, wore masks even after we told them they were stupid they still put them on because then we told them they were not stupid we can do anything we want to these people we can do anything we want and i think they're getting ready to to do anything they want. So, and if we react in any sort of uh, meaningful way, then that gives them 
that gives them permission in their minds to just kill us all. So, so all, the, it, all it's going to take is some militia from North Dakota to shoot up a Capitol building somewhere. And then they got to go after everybody. And then everyone's dead. Yeah. So what, what we're saying here, what you're saying, I think, is that... Or so-called militia, you know. Yeah, so if I'm going to... False flag. Right, so if I'm going to, like, kind of recap this, in reality, I think it has to look rational. It's not like it's going to be absurd like a movie. What's going to happen is you're going to get the cyber attack, you're going to get things taken down, people are going to be in a little bit of pandemonium, there's going to be a lot of human interest stories about how nice people are, they're taking credit cards via paper, they're, they're getting back to the old ways, and then... Um, the news comes back online and starts to make everybody fearful, like, oh, this is terrible. Here's who it was. It was Osama bin Laden. It was Cyber, it was cyber bin Laden. <laughs> and, um, you know, it was, it, was, uh, it was the Chinese, the Chinese, the Iraqis, whoever. Probably the Iranians is who it's going to be blamed on. And, or Hezbollah or something like that. And they took us down. And we, we have to keep that from ever happening again. And so, therefore... Uh, there's going to be this this turmoil in the public. Like, well, we must do this. We must do that. Think of the children. Think of my grandma. Think of the big corporations that are too big to fail. You know, <laughs> think of my job, whatever. And everybody and all of the politicians that we know are mostly bought and paid for, they then pass a law that was written five years ago that's already on their desk. We'll call it the, what will we call it? The Free Freedom of Internet Choice Act <laughs> <laughs> that will require you to uh, have a digital ID and it will be the, the building blocks for a central bank digital currency. It will require you to get online that nobody can get online unless they're approved of. Right. There'll be no more anonymity. And, and, yeah, no more anonymity. Every, every bit of internet is tracked back to the device. That's what's going to happen, right? That's like the immediate aftermath of it. And uh, tons of people will be thinking that this is the end of the world, but the world will continue to spin on while that turmoil is happening. And then they'll pass the law and then it'll be like a, a one year, two year implementation. That's the way this grinds, right? I mean, that's the way it works out in reality. And the new normal continues. Meanwhile, <laughs> The freedom-loving people are just hoping that society breaks down into total collapse so that that totalitarian monster would go away. But that's, how the, that's probably how the oligarchy intends to implement it, is in this slow manner and, and allow the economy and the people to cough and sputter. Now, this doesn't factor in the possibility that these other oligarchies like China and Russia don't start something first or the bazillions of people flowing the military aged men flowing across the Southern border. Right. We right. could be, we could be looking at a total anarchistic collapse here at some point. It's like a Trojan horse without the yeah. horse. They're just walking in. The yeah. Gates. Just, <laughs> yeah. just walking in going, look at us. We're a bunch of military aged right. males. Don't, so, don't mind us. We're just looking for a job. Looking for a gun. <laughs> Yeah. So what would, you know, what would cause total collapse? What would, what would cause this, that type of a false flag to flip over into total collapse? Probably some, probably, uh, one of the other groups of the secret combinations, you know, the big secret combinations, probably somebody outside of the Anglo-American establishment 
uh, given the code to go for it, right? Well, and, like and let's okay, America's weak or the Anglo-American establishment is weak. Let's do it. Pull the trigger. We're doing our our Israel-style Hamas attack on everybody. We're we're starting the chaos. It would still. It would take the largest <clears throat> coordinated assault in world history, though, because. Well, the, the, you think, think about this. Like, let's just look at cattle farming. Okay, if somebody who owns ten cows, they can live indefinitely just with those cattle. What, per, what percentage of the population owns ten cows? I bet if I googled that, I would not be able to find. Not very many, but the the existing cattle industry in the United States could feed the whole country for a long time if it was unmolested. Right, so they would have to go through they being whatever this invasion is or this event, they would have to kill every every cow in the country, every sheep, every uh, chicken, every wheat field, every river would have to be contaminated. Like the United States is a big geographical area with lots of nooks and crannies and big mountains and big rivers and plains and. It's not just New York City. Like, I know. That's what I'm saying. The total collapse would be incremental. Right. You're, you're lucky if you live in the Intermountain West because you're away from those population centers that would destroy each other. Unless they targeted those places first. Right. And 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 waged an all-out assault. I mean, like, kinetic Well, that's the danger of, like, on, a nuclear war. Right. They'd drop a couple of nukes in the Intermountain West, and that, that, that would do a good job of killing all the cattle. Right. And then it's most the... Most of the people contaminating everything then it's the movie Jer or the tv series jericho from right. 2006 right, right. You, you've seen that one right the small town in kansas survives and they have they end up battling their neighbors and at that point you, know. you maybe you maybe your little town or whatever is is unaffected directly but it doesn't really matter because the world isn't operating like it used to there's, yeah. there's no trains and trucks delivering goods information's cut off water supplies are contaminated and eventually you just end up dying anyway well the system is so complex that that's the that's the problem that a nudge from maybe a third party you know the the chinese oligarchy the russians whatever uh limited amount of kinetic action on their part could potentially cause a major blockage disruption in the united states because we're we're so dependent on that shipping and uh, finan the financial transactions in order for the goods to get to where they need to go so that people are happy and, and things are operating. That could now, bring the system down. I'm going to bring up a different angle on this. What if all of this is just to keep us, the people, the herded masses on edge? And Because what, what does the oligarchy want that they don't already have? Information control, in my opinion. They have a lot of that, though. But I don't think they've got enough. I think they're, they're losing. But they want a more uh, efficient but, way to control the people. But the, similar to the p number of people in the country that own 10 cows, how many, what percentage of the people are look, going to zero hedge or have alternate forms of communication or, or look at alternate sources of information? Like 20%? Like not very many. I, mean, I think and it's, then it's a growing they, percentage of the population. Right, but what those How many people, people are skeptical of the last election? The polls say one right, third. But, but who cares? If you're the oligarchy, who cares? Because you get you got what you want. Like the the last election was blatantly suspicious. 
and nothing's been done about it. Nothing will be done about it because the people who point that out have no influence, have no power, have no mechanism to do anything about it. Well, some of that stuff's working through the courts now. Some of the wokeness is getting yeah, shot down. Some of the yeah, but th- that's all distracted stuff. Wokeness and stuff is just well, not not just that, but like the, some of the election. There's been some wins on the on the other side. There, I think there's a growing angst now. It, you're right. It could just be agit prop, right? Agitation right. propaganda, right? But the, like. I don't think they. I don't think what, they're uh, making veiled threats. What in? I don't think so either, necessarily. I'm just sort of playing devil's of th- advocate. Or just a thought exercise. Like, what incentive does China have, for example, to invade military militarily invade the United States? I don't know about militarily invading, but they have a huge incentive to destroy our projection of force mechanisms, which would be carrier groups, forward bases, to get us out of their sphere of influence. They have a huge—they want Taiwan. They've said it. Um, They've been engaging in what they call the Belt and Road road Initiatives, where they've been financially uh, getting uh, hooks into all these countries around the world. Including us. They want to be the hegemon. They want to be the the well, big dog on the. And they kind of are. Well, I mean, not really. We're, our standard of living, like our well, they're, our they're, society is um, ahead. Yeah, by, by decades. But that's because we had freedom for a while. Yeah, but, but the, their standard of living could be uh, could far uh, surpass ours if they allowed it. If the governments, the communist Chinese Communist Party, allowed it. And there's plenty of economy in China to, to help a, most of those people live a decent life. And the people on the good side, the people with the good social credit scores, do live a, a nice life there. I mean, I'm not saying they're free, but they have technology. They have things. They send their kids to the United States to be educated. Well, just power for the sake of power, I think, is a good argument. Yeah. That's... Uh, Moses chapter 6, verse 15, and from thenceforth there were wars every, uh, upon the earth, and um, every man's hand was against his brother mm-hmm. so that they could get power and gain, I believe. I'm paraphrasing that. Right. But. Well, that, I think that's, we see that right in front of our eyes, right? Power and gain. It becomes the nature of nearly all men, right? We've said right. that a hundred times, and it it's an important concept and it plays out right we've seen it in little ways like a a, a middle manager at a small company becomes an intolerable tyrant and we've seen it in very detrimental right. you know uh areas like a president or a governor or you know cdc director or a state mm-hmm. epidemiologist right well, I, you know, I think people always want more. You know, those ultra-wealthy, ultra-powerful people are always vying for more control and more power. And I do think there are competing oligarchies around the world that would knife each other in the back if they could, you know? Well, they can and they, they do. They do. And they, and they intend... Uh, uh, we've seen this in, in human history. The empire's grow and then they fall and then someone takes their place mm-hmm. and societies go through a, a a series of changes evolution generations etc that follow kind of a pattern 
and you get to a point where the word is corruption, right? The one society becomes so corrupt that it it's taking advantage of others enough that they they lose their primacy and they just disintegrate. You know, they can't exist in the same way uh, indefinitely. The the other forces take them down. You know, they they exert control and they take over and they take their space, their land, their their whatever. You know. <clears throat> well. So I don't know about them invading us, but the first thing they've got to do is blunt the American projection of force. Because if you look at the maps, if you look at the, the you know, any of these layouts of whose armies are where, you can basically see that America is everywhere. And most of these other countries, except for some of the NATO countries like France and England, most everybody else is just in their own territory. And I don't think they like that. I don't think they like that our central banking institutions basically control the world. Right. <clears throat> well, that's, um, that's leave the world behind. Hopefully our discussion about it was a lot more interesting than the film itself. Cause yeah. I, do, I do find it just sort of bland and odd and heavy handed. Yeah. Brandon Smith's article was a good one at alt market. That was a good one to read. Mm -hmm. I do recommend, um, reading, this article I'm going to link to on the great taking by David Webb. Um, he's got some, you know, he's got some really good points. There's, there has been abundant evidence of great evil at work in the world throughout time. And in our present time, do you really wish to be ignorant of its existence and operation? Yes. <laughs> Bow your head and say yes. <laughs> I think most people do want to be ignorant of it. They just want to watch friends while the world burns. Ne never before has the system benefited so few at the great expense of so many. Is this not inherently unstable and unsustainable? Physical control, as opposed to rule by deception, requires enormous energy. Can this be dis sustained while destroying all economies and abusing all people globally? They do not know how to build back better, quote-unquote. Look at their footprint around the world, the destruction and the economic devastation. Yeah. Well, another Blackpool episode <laughs> on the Mind Virus show. I want to title this one again, If I Really Believe It, Why Am I Not Doing Anything? But I'm going to title it something like, Leave No World Behind. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, thanks, everybody. Appreciate it. Leave your thoughts on the film or otherwise in the comments. We always we read every comment. Oftentimes we respond or at least shout them out here on the show. There are so many comments, it's kind of hard, but uh, <laughs> we do read your comments. And uh, share this if you uh, want to blackpill your, your neighbors and make sure that your neighbors are going to be on your side when you get into a standoff out in the countryside on Long Island. All right. Thank you.